live with easy ld up in here what's up internet you see if this work uh hold on. does it work i thought i still had my sound bites my you might have to like share your sound with me like, no no but I, like, I, I am going through my mixer so i can like technically play music and it's supposed to work but i'm not sure why my my samples are not there is that right oh they're just not there fair enough I trust your ability, y'all. He brought a mixer and shit. Like, that's some. Well, yeah, no, because when I stream, I'm using the same computer that I'm streaming, right? So that's what I use to put the. Yo, but if it's going, if your shit's sent to your audios, it might be that I just have to set up share screen so that you can share your audio with me via Zoom and then I hear it. Sorry? For some reason, I lost them. I think it's because yesterday I moved moved my. uh, Fair. My, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it still what looks up? fire to have you there. Welcome, Easy LD to Bridge. Thank the you for gap. having me, bro. Yeah. Sorry, once again, I apologize for the last time it couldn't happen, man. It was a Listen. last minute thing. I was doing the, uh, I learned the, anything. Uh, it's you should take the bag when you can get the bag. Oh, for sure. But it was, um, what was it called? It was like a staff party. They needed me to DJ at, uh, at the restaurant that I work at. So, yeah. I mean, if that's what, you know, I mean, there's a part of me in a moment, somebody counsels last minute where I'm like, fuck. But then it's yeah. like, what are you going to do, right? I can't pretend like it's not going to come a time in my future where I'm not the one canceling on people due to unforeseen shit. So it's all about the karmas and energies of trying to build it. Now, if you canceled this one, I might have been skeptical to try it a third time. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, oh, fuck, yeah, this is gone. <laughs> um, but like, nah, it's cool. Plus, you fucking out there doing your thing. I mean, just so y'all know, I'm supposed to say it. My name Holden Stefan Roy, and this is Bridge the Gap, the show where we talk to interesting people such as yourself walk through the story of your life and i get extra excited with y'all djs because when y'all get into it y'all seen like a lot of the history from an angle that's well as a rapper i can see how narrow-minded rappers can be with our perceptions of reality in the bigger picture whereas y'all djs yo what's up see hello uh, brown 27 um and uh just wanna, i want to host your Right, yo listen if you want to do twitch shit to boost my twitch shit bro we could take all the time in the world for that <laughs> i'm not doing amazing on twitch lately we we's here we running it because it's what we do but growing the twitch also something we're trying to do <laughs> but yeah it's good to have you here for real while you do that and i'm excited for all of y'all that are going to come through and watch this and for those of you in the future i never talked to you at the beginning but i still love you all you youtube and if you're actually one of the like eight people that exist on spotify listening to this apparently there's a chunk of people like three or four that like which is a chunk for my podcast stats but like watch this shit on like um amazon podcast but they don't have any stats so i can't see shit I can't even know what episodes people are watching on on Amazon. So I just know that to all y'all who listen to me on Amazon fucking podcast, shout out you. <laughs> um, 
There you hey, go. Ismail hosted. That's cool. Ismail in the house. What up, Ismail? Yeah, Ismail is gangster about that. He be in the house for years. We hit like our five year birthday yesterday as a behind that suit entity. Well, I saw that, man. Congratulations. Ismail has been around for a good four and a bit of those years. Back in the days when he was Mozart and Mozart. Ismail, the OG, triple OG. Nah, for real. And then it's like, yo, he, he comes through and he's like, I'm from Montreal. I'm like, say a fucking word. Meeting Ismail is a moment. That's all I can say. It's like a big one. Like just I met him this summer, man. He fucked up at a show that I was, uh, was performing my man did that. That's he's like, yo, I'm Ismail, man. I'm like, oh, shit, what up? Yeah, it's cool. It's cool because why I like Ismail, the, not to say there are other reasons, but for the practical political reasons of Ismail's role in life, is ain't nobody can say there ain't no fans in the city no more. Not a person can say that. Because literally, Ismail be buying people's albums and shit. <laughs> it's over. Y'all have to at least say there's one guy at least in the city that's a fan and fuck the rest of y'all. <laughs> Shout to Ismail, man. Ismail, you're a true G. Big facts. But today you are, in fact, yeah, Ismail does live around the corner. Ismail is on my same physical block, as in the, the, the oh. block, the four, like, squares. Not the same street, but he's on the block, like, probably 500 meters away from me right now. What area is this? What hood? Oh, we up on Fielding on uh, NDG land. Okay. Repping that. Okay. Where, where are you at in far. the city? I, I just moved. I just recently moved to... Uh... Well, I guess it's called Ville Marie. I say it's pretty much Westmont a little bit, but I'm uh, I'm on uh, like two minutes away from like Geek Recording. I'll say word. Yeah, yeah, it's a little further away, but not far at all. Like you're in the range of distance where I would go to your crib without thinking twice, whereas other people I would have to think twice. Let's <laughs> <laughs> up. I'm like literally where you know you know where guy becomes uh um. Côte Neige? Yeah. So I'm just like right just at there. the steep ass hill. Exactly. Right there, bro. Like nice. literally right there. <laughs> like at the top, right? Because if I'm cycling over there, I don't want to have to go. Well, that building before it becomes like, you know. But yeah, I'm right there, bro. That's Fire. crazy. So with that. Since October 16th. Like, yo, welcome. Super... Took closer than wherever you were before, I imagine. <laughs> I was in Saint Michel, yeah. Saint Michel way in the east. Oh, yeah, I prefer you in this part of town. It's better. It's oh, but like... I, but before before so I did Saint Michel for two years, and I was in Saint Henry for like. We gonna run 14. through your life though. So actually, I wanted to bring it back to the beginnings because the way the show starts, I do have a real scripted question. I did enjoy this banter. I'm feeling a little loosey goosey. It is what it is, but um, we do have a typical kind of start to it. And in order for that first question to be like all kinds of proper, could you let us know where you start your life? like the very beginnings, the zero age. Okay, well, zero age. So I was born and raised in Peru. Same uh, word. Oh, bro, this first question is going to be super litty because you're the first <laughs> Peru dude. You know what? You're in Peru so, for the first part of your life. That's where the question's going to land. Let's just do this. I got my first one. It's a little bit of a story. When it lands so, yeah, man. Um, Lima, Peru, uh, and I came to Canada when I was probably like uh, – 11, 11 years old, maybe? Oh, that's perfect. So we got to talk about that beginning part right now. Let me ask this first question. We go run it and trust. It's going to talk about your Lima experience. Uh, so all this starts with my girlfriend. This is a little lengthy, but it'll, it'll make sense. So it starts with my girlfriend. And even today, actually, my girlfriend today was doing some chores. And she had on her phone. And she was playing this classic tune, this 
Black Eyed Peas joint, the I got a feeling. She's vibing. She's dancing. Actually, normally she's vibing and dancing. This time she glared at me because I was trying to take an Instagram story. Um, but she's usually vibing and dancing and doing her thing. And it got me thinking about this track and how, like, I, I was left with this sense of when the fuck did this become chores music, right? Like, when did this become the function of this song? Because, like, run that shit back, like, 10, 11 years. You up inside the clubs, middle of the night. Everybody in this random ass circle jumping up and down, doing their thing. It's a joyful moment. Many people get to smash after. Jumping ahead 11 years. Now you're doing chores to it. You're working out to it. It's a whole different experience. But the song is the same song because it's a song and they don't really change much. And that to me was like this big experience of like looking at the whole journey that people go on and the journey that music goes on and how the context and the relationships that we have with everything kind of change over time. And I think um, it got me thinking about even our journeys as music people, DJs, whatever we may be. You look at the interviews and stuff and everybody starts the story at like this adolescent phase. Like I discover hip hop at 12 and I started doing this at 11 and I, and it's like nobody has life before that, you know, but really if you think about musical journeys in particular, that's not really how it works. You know, our stories start so much earlier, like I'm sure in the hospital you was born in or whatever, there was some music playing in the room. Like oh, bro, my, my dad was a, like a music fiend like me. Gonna, so there was definitely music everywhere. We gonna hit that. But that's it. So, like, because I know for myself, right? Like, I could remember being back uh, up in uh, Col Saint Luc, five years old. My dad's got these gray boxes all over the apartment, the amp, the preamp, the fucking radios, the fucking tape decks, everything kind of with these wires going to all the speakers. He's busting out his fucking Led Zeppelin shits. And, you know, and at nighttime, it would be fucking like MC Mario's club mix and shit like that. You know, my mom's was more of a star, 92.9. And she was on the love songs and the musicals and that whole vibe. Of life and then you know the car had its soundtrack and basically all of that really affected me to this very day and probably has me being a sappier soul than i should be but with that i was hoping you could you know run us back to when you were as young as possible especially growing up in peru where i'm pretty sure most of the fucking people watching this don't have any idea what it's like to grow up in peru back in the day and you could walk us through a little bit like what it sounded like to be you before you had control in the shits. And, yo, take as much time as you want to describe Peru shit. Because ain't nobody heard what it's like to be a kid growing up in Peru in my life. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, like, I re like, I remember vivid, like, lots of stuff. You know, like, you know, like, family parties. Like, yo, I remember going to school. Because I even, in, in, in Peru, I went all the, I started fifth grade, primary school. So, I remember a lot. You know, I remember my third grade. I remember my fourth grade. Um. So yeah, man, and uh, I had a an older sister, a six a six year older sister, and she was into music a lot too. So because of her, I was I got into like you know the sides of like you know like uh, uh, electronic music. It was the eighties too, right? So electronic music and rock and all that shit. So because of my sister, I had that. I was exposed to that type of music, and obviously my dad was a huge uh, Latin music lover. So salsa and all that shit, you know, it was flowing through my veins all all as I was growing up and um, we, we were, you know, we had a big family, so we had lots of uh, parties and stuff. So, you know, there was always like, like me and my dad used to do like this, these dancing routines and stuff like that at parties and stuff like that. So I was always, you know, into, in, into like performing and like, you know, listening to music a lot, 
so, you know, hence why eventually in my life I decided to become a DJ. So, um, so yeah, man. And um, so what was crazy about Peru is that uh, my dad was a cop in, uh, in Peru. So, uh, and, you know, Peru was fucked up uh, back in those days. Terrorism, a lot of fucking, you know, crooked yeah. shit. And my dad, my dad happened to be like a, a good cop, you know, so. We were getting harassed and then it was it got to a point where my mom just like you know she was like she had enough and she was like yo we're bouncing we gotta bounce and we got a little bit lucky because um her sister which is my aunt she was already in canada uh studying so she was already living here and and everything so we we kind of like you know what we did is that we left as as refugees and then once we got here we contacted my uh my aunt and, you know, she sponsored us and we went through the whole process of you know, uh, becoming a Canadian citizen, you know. So, yeah, man. So when I came here, it was the first time I saw snow. I ran outside of the airport and jumped into snow and it was the stupidest mistake I ever made in my life at that point. Because it was cold as shit. I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. That's amazing. The guy is like, I came from all sorts of fucked up shit in Peru. My dad's a cop. Crazy shit. We're getting threatened. Biggest mistake I made? Jumping in snow. (laughs) (laughs) As a kid, what else do you know? know? That's amazing. You know how to take a piss. You know how to shit. And that's pretty much it, man. (laughs) Your life revolves around that. When you were young, though, were you, like, into, like, singing, dancing? Is that kind of part of the culture? Like, what's the vibe like? Not really singing, but more dancing. I was, like, into, like, you know, like, I was doing, like, there was a lot of, like, you know, in school, we used to do a lot of, like, music plays and stuff. Like, I did lip sing. Yeah, we had a lot of, like, you know, uh, uh, activities, like, you know, after school or whatever shit like that. So, yeah. You know, I did many lip syncs. I used to to do a, a mean lip sync of, like, uh, Ricky Martin when he was in Menudo back in the days in the 80s so yeah yeah we used to do crazy shit that's wild I mean I think I don't know that anybody's ever like you know told me they did lip sync routines but we used to do that shit in cadets so I fucks with you there was a whole contest for that shit and motherfucker I, I used to do cadets too man say a word <laughs> that's fire okay. so yeah man so then um, so when I was like around I think pretty much 10 or 11 years old I uh I came to Canada. It was probably like 91, 92, maybe. Yeah, 92. If I was 10, it was 92. So, uh, yeah, man. And it was a whole, you know, different change. Uh, you know, uh, they caught me back in school a little bit. Like, they, they, they brought me back two years. So, when I came here, I started doing my third grade again. So, uh, but yeah. Um, so, you have to, like, be older than everybody while going through school? Pretty much. Pretty much. That's fucking weird, though. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I never heard it. Not weird in, like, a bad way, but, like, I never heard it before that, like, somebody comes through like that, then they, like, kind of make you go back a little bit. And But what's crazy about me is that it was even, because usually it's one year. They bring you back one year. Um, And me, what was fucked up is that, like I told you, like, I I had started, just just started my fifth grade in Peru. Um. But I was a short guy, you know, so when I came here, the stupid principal was like, okay, he's bringing, he's coming back one year back, but he'll fit also with the third graders. And then they put me back in third grade. That's the wildest shit. That's yeah. That's, and my mom, you know, my mom didn't know better. She's not going to speak up or whatever. It's a new fucking country. My mom just agreed. She was like, yeah, yeah, okay. 
Wow. Sure. So if I understand correctly, it's the, the up, principal but, but just up. like made this assumption, like, yeah, he looks like he should be in grade three. Let's put him in grade Pretty three. Much. And they, yeah. that's just flat. And I bet that, because I bring it up, because I bet if that happened to you, it happens to others. That's, you know, like, shit just doesn't happen one time. No, but, but like, like, to be honest, I kind of agreed with the guy, too, because, like, if you would see the difference of, like, a third, a third grader and a fourth grader back then, it was huge. The dudes, the dudes in fourth grade were, like, fucking huge, too. So I kind of agreed with the guy, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. I mean, it's just eventually. Cool. Eventually, I also started hanging with people my age and, and also older. So right. you know, it was, it was just. And this was in Montreal, or was this somewhere else? No, no, no. This is this is actually in Gatineau, in Elmer. As I'm seeing, somebody's like represent a Y. What up? Specter is eighty one. Specter's eighty one. Yo, Elmer, yo. So yeah, that was Elmer, man. I came directly to to Gatineau. Okay. Um, and I pretty much did my whole. Uh, adolescence there so from 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 11 years old all the way till 2005 when i moved to to montreal so like at during that period like in high school or whatever do you decide like i'm gonna become a dj or whatever are you still just like a fan of shit so okay so i fell in love with hip-hop pretty pretty early so it didn't take long because already in peru i was into like you know there was already like the 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 MC Hammers and like you know the fucking Vanilla Ices and I used to also listen to like you know the Ghetto Boys, not the Ghetto Boys, the the Fat Boys and uh, Run DMC and all that shit, you know. But not like heavily. But once I got here to Canada, Wu Tang was pretty much the first, uh, my first go to like you know rap shit that I was like, yo, what the fuck is this? And this is what I wanted to. So I was pretty much uh, a rapper throughout my my whole. Uh, Say whole a word. What was your rapper name back in the day? <laughs> so it all it started off with Wicked Child. That was when I was super young, and then eventually it became 108K, which was was stand for one of a kind. Nice. But yeah, so I would say that I probably got into rapping in like you know 90, 95, 96, all the way to like. The last song I recorded was in 2004. Okay, so when did you start recording? Like, so you get into rapping and you're like, because yo, you're already making music in the 90s like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I was, bro, I was a hardcore hip hop head back then. Bro. Like, in the 90s, straight up, like, you know, the whole the whole nine. Like, we were straight up, we were living in hip hop. Were you in French with this? Uh, no, it was uh, English, English and Spanish. I used to throw in some Spanish. Hold up, there's English people. Yo, who the hell is Spectres? Spectres, who are you, bro? How come you know about JPS? JPS, that's the name of my fucking squad back then. That's who I started rapping with. Those are my boys, man. I'm so glad so you're here, JPS Spectres. That, Keep dropping that 81 shit on JPS, us. JPS stands for Junior Fat Squad, and that was the name of our group back then. Back when fat was PH fat, and it was fire to be fat. You are blocking yourself with the camera. Oh right shit! My now. bad. My bad. My bad. My All bad. good. I was like, I see you trying to make your phone more accessible and visible, but guy dropping some names. I'm like, yo. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie. I became one of these motherfuckers, but it's the pop socket moves, bro. You got to get oh, the pop socket. I heard, I heard that it's super dope. That thing. Like, I hate how dope it is for how bad it looks, but it gives you like almost like a little bit of stability when you film in. And in moments like this, it'd be holding your phone up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man. 
Yo, JPS, man. Junior Fat Squad, man. Uh, fuck, we, we... When was that? You got to put like a little date era on that. So JPS probably started in 96. So we were all in high school. Uh, it was the beginning of high school. So Bro, yeah. I don't even know that I've talked to that many people in Quebec that were making music in 97. That's that's the thing, right? And and I keep like, because, you know, I'm still in the game and I keep talking to people. And it's crazy because I see a bunch of people and I'm like, fuck, it's too bad. But okay, so so I keep saying it's it's too bad that we didn't have like you know uh, uh, anything that that was solidified or in the news or in the media to to, to draw a, a a timeline or whatever and say like yo these guys were there then because we were there and we were in the hip hop game we were we were competing with like people from Ottawa we were doing shows in like so we was in Elmer and we were doing shows in Hall we were doing shows in Gatineau because we used to deal with like the the Saint Jeunesse. Like you know, the youth center of the of, of our city. Yo, hold up, shut up, Lamef with the raid. Y'all gotta watch this though. Easy LD is telling us about being a fucking rapper in '97. Okay, '97. And what's crazy is that I do actually have tapes. Like we used to record each other when um, I had, I have like a tape recorder back then, like a camcorder, and we used to bring it to our to our uh, to our practices and show and shit. And actually, just because I recently moved, those boxes are like, you know, I found them. So I'm like, I'm going to go through them like pretty soon whenever I have time. And I'll definitely probably digitalize some of those, uh, of those things. That's too, man. Or at the it, very it, least. It needs, it needs to be documented, man. Like it, people need to. And there's only like one or two people that are still in the game from Gatineau that know about this. Bro, I don't know? even know and, where Gatineau is. I'm surprised you told me English people are there. Call it ignorant Montreal shit because I've kind of realized i'm kind of ignorant about quebec but yeah elmer so gatno so gatno is a i'm googling like, it right now <laughs> like where it is it's dalutawe it's right beside ottawa it's just all oh, right gatno hall fuck exactly. okay i was just off in my head i apologize for all my dumb shits i'm back into my understanding where it is it makes more sense to me now you have gatno hall and elmer and then eventually it fusionized and it became gatno I have That's a homeboy right now. I'm fucking got no doing shit. I feel like a fool, but we back in it. We've we've situated ourselves. <clears throat> That's cool though. Thanks for the clarification, Spectres. So y'all was okay. You were out there, even still. That's Canadian hip hop shit in '96 or '7. Back in the days when technology is hard to come by. Everybody's telling me how inaccessible shit is. Montreal's NDG yeah. shit, if I understand, is only now starting to come to life at this time. Um, so like, how are y'all like connected like that? How are you literally recording and shit? Well, okay. So, ben, so back then we weren't, we didn't have access yet to, to, to our own beats. The, the, the own beats started coming in in like 99, 2000. Okay. Um, so basically back then we were just recording freestyles over, over beats. So we, we were lucky enough that, so basically we were the youngins. Okay. So before us, there was, there was, there was these, these rappers from, from Elmer which were the 148 squad. And that was a 148, one, well, actually, sorry, not 148 squad. 148 squad, it became that after, but it was 148 trio. So that's my boy, Gregory Stretch, <laughs> and Will of Fortune. So basically, these are pretty much the dudes that we used to look up to in, in, in the local hip-hop scene. And aside from that, you know, you had the Nine Planets, you had the, 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 uh, you had the, the Boogaloo tribes on the Ottawa side. So these are pretty much that's the circuit of, of rap that was going on in the 90s in, 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 in Ottawa, Gatineau. Um, 
so then yeah and like my boy saying dim life eventually that that became after junior fats a junior fat squad we, we had some things whatever then other things start forming because right. other cats well, used to on. join us let's go back to run it back so you guys is in this budgeting anglo scene because i forgot the guy knows next to ontario fair enough um y'all be doing your shits but you're still like how where are you recording like so okay so here's the thing so as i was getting into with with the 148 148 trio they had access to a dj so the and this is why i also learned how to how to how to scratch and how to dj because there was this this guy who was who goes by the name of dj chef aka philip modar rest in peace baby um he was the dj of the other guys of of the guys that we used to look up to but he was cool with the youngins too and and so what we used to do i used to go to his house and record freestyles you know back then like you used to rap and the dj would just throw on beat i was 10 i don't remember that i was 10 and i'm super white back then because my parents be like (laughs) fucking like evil music with cussing and shit unless it was nelly So there you go. So, you know, so so back then that that was the style, you know, you had your DJ and he would just throw beats and you would just fucking wrap your head off over, you know, and then you You would switch up your like with like a DJ in the room and shit. Like nobody's told me this shit. Ain't nobody had access to a DJ. That's some easy LD shit. Like I'm saying, I talk to like a lot of people now. I'm not going to say a crazy number, but from multiple places. Usually at this age, you're getting the, I'm bro, we were jerry-rigging tape recorders, or I'm bro, we had access to shit mics. I was doing that too on the side, but we had access to this guy. Like I said, this guy. What? So this That's guy fire. Was, yeah. Like, and, and we used to record on like those those big tapes there. Like, you know, the, the, the big like studio tapes kind of thing. That, that's what he used to, to record with. You guys actually recorded on the bro, old school tape. That. Bro. I still have it on tape too, eh? Like I have. That sounds like a nightmare that, that to edit, though. That particular freestyle that I'm talking to you about, that I did at his crib or that I worked on and did on at his crib, I still have it on tape, like here. Like, That's so cool that you like can like reference that. But that y'all recorded on that old school yeah. shit, and you just had access to it on some y'all was there and doing it. That's yeah. amazing. So then, so then after I used to do my raps, we used to chill, and he used to teach me how to scratch. I was a scratch nerd. I only wanted to know how to scratch. So you Yo, let's just do this for the sake of it. I know you'll be using the DJ jargon. I'm at this point super aware of what scratching is, but run it back four years. I don't know that I realized scratching and DJing weren't effectively like, you know, chains and specific things. So why don't you run us through okay. what that even means to the people? So, well, I definitely knew because, you know, like I used to watching the rap videos and, you know, watching Wild Style and all those hip hop videos back then. We were really like, you know, kids in love with hip hop. So we would we would do our, 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 our homework and search for it and stuff like that. So we knew definitely what we would definitely do, you know. So scratching, um, though, like. So. So, yeah, basically. So back then, how it used to work is that you used to have these records that were just sounds, all sorts of sounds. You'll you'll hear like, you know, laser beams, you'll hear like like dogs barking, you'll and then you can just scratch those sounds. And that was the style. And you know, like back then it was like me, I used to love the DMC championships. So you had these guys that were mixing a bunch of songs at, at, at like in 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 seconds and just scratching the hell out of these records. So then these records became accessible and my boy had one. So we used to replicate the how, how I actually learned how to scratch, we used to replicate the scratches on Wheels of Steel of Outcast in 95. That's well, this was probably 96 wild. then. 
So it was probably a year after we were we all knew the song, but it's just that so he had he had that record where he was able to find those same scratch samples of Wheels of Steels. So we had it. So we would just run the instrumental and replicate the scratch. And then once we had it, we're like, okay, we'll flip it this way. And then we start coming up with our own, own scratch uh, styles and stuff like that. So, so yeah, man, this is motherfuckers be out there if y'all are listening. And they had the DJ shits. So they was out there literally trying to copy the scratches. Like, it's hey, a, hey. Yo, one time in history, a dude had to convince me that a fucking DJ setup was an instrument. And I wasn't really certain why at first because it wasn't clicking this whole side of it. But as time goes on, you start to hear a lot of the scratching elements and you realize that's like a motherfucker fucking up the record to make it sound excellent, right? And... Just the idea that you would, and I mean, it sounds probably really obvious to a lot of people, but the idea that there are people who sat there and just replicated the scratches that they heard across different songs they loved is just, it's the first I've heard it. So that's really interesting to me that that was like a thing y'all were doing. And I wonder how many other people did that shit. (laughs) Well, back in the then, that's, that's how hip hop was. Like if you, if you hear, if you hear a lot of like rappers when, how they started rapping, Yo, they used to copy or they used to they started by rapping somebody else's verse and they're like, oh shit, how I spit it is exactly how I did. Let me let me see if I can put my own words to it. And that that's that yo, it's like it's like the same thing, like, well, mainly all music nowadays is a remix of something. Yo, what's it's something up, magnanimous, what's up, audiophile and never that was already created and recreated now, you know. and again that's why i said like i know it's an obvious thing in the sense that like i literally used to rap a bunch of dmx songs and shit and then i you know developed my own shit but like i just never really think of it like scratching as an instrument that often and perhaps that's because i don't talk to enough djs I, i talk to a lot of djs who um kind of pursued the other route where it's more about blending songs so most of the djs i have talked to are like on that end of it and none of them be talking to me about scratching so like to me it's kind of exciting because i don't know that much about it and this is like how it goes when i was i was in in love with scratching first and foremost i didn't care not that i didn't care about mixing i learned about mixing at the same time because it was the process you know like my boy used to tell me okay mix this song with this one and you know but at first me i was just all about the scratching like i didn't care about the rest i just wanted to know how that DJ was doing that. And I was like, I just wanted to hear myself do it. You know, that that's that's how I, I got in, in love with that first. But then, yeah, eventually, like, bro, like. Fuck's a triple click flare. I'm very happy to ask Easy LD about a triple click flare, DJ Magnanimous. I don't do triple click flares. I don't do even flares. What's a flare? Bro, I don't know this shit. Like, I don't know any of the DJ shit. Me, yo, like that's that's the thing too. Like it's cool, but at the same time, it's not cool because a lot of people when they hear me scratch, they're like, "Oh shit, this guy knows how to fucking scratch." I'm like, "Bro, I'm very basic with my scratch. It's just that the basic stuff that I do with my scratch, I just know how to do it very well." But don't ask me about getting into details about the names of the scratch and 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 scratch combos. Okay, so a flare is a scratch. Yes, I because it's I can Google that shit now. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. And you'll have a, a certain sound when you do huh. the, the. No, this is super interesting. And again, it's just because 
This is my ignorance and not thinking about Yo, it. Yo, anonymous me. I wish I can crab, bro. It's the crab that I want to do. Easy's scratch patterns are fight. Yo, I heard Easy do his thing. Easy makes enjoyable fucking all of his shits. <laughs> but that's the thing, you know. It's just because I know like my basic, and I and, and I'm able to fuck with my own basic knowledge. So. Yo, know. but like, even if you look at hip hop, everybody be trying to be fancy, and yet, really, everybody's best song is kind of some of their more basic flows. Even like Eminem, some of his classics are some of the more simple, like just digestible shits, and a lot of that shit on the the like complexity, like it's really cool. But that foundational basicness done right, kind of works. But like done right, like experienced and like laid out. And then, yo, that's a great point, as Neve had said. If you can't be dope basic, how are you supposed to be dope complex? Like, that was my biggest mistake as an MC starting off, is I was trying to be complex before I understood the basics. And a lot of people jump on that shit. Like, you want to shred before you learn some fucking chords. Um, That's wild, though. So you guys are basically have access to the fucking studio, and you guys are in your, like, what, teenage years running this shit? you guys are performing cool too? too yeah we're performing so so at these at the, these years we were we were like i said I, we were doing um we were hanging a lot at the youth center and stuff like that and they would give us access and when there was the, when there was uh, like shows or whatever we 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 were able to perform and and i got one of our performance on tape too that's it's kind of wild but yeah man so even then like because of of our big brother he he would lend us his fucking turntable so we were literally kids doing fucking hip-hop shows but with real turntable shit and like cordless mics and shit back then like it was crazy bro that's a flex i call it a flex now that i'm thinking about it and the way i'm talking about it i'm like hell yeah it was a fucking flex like we were like i'm not being like this drilling down into it out of like fake enthusiasm i'm saying i've talked to a lot of rappers from montreal a few from quebec bunch from new york this is one of the more interesting I'm a fucking teenager stories. It isn't the most. It's in the top 20-ish for sure. I couldn't rank it. It's like up there. Like this is some like, damn, dude, that's like you really doing it at that age. Whereas I don't know that I ever hit the level of really doing it that you're really doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but again, but again, you know, it's not like, yeah, we were doing this. We were, you know, we were we were like doing it in our own city and that's it. Like, it's not like we had like a huge, you know, following or anything. Again, we were the youngins compared to, to, to the 148, 148 trio that I was telling you, those were the cats that were really in the hip hop game, in the hip hop scene, doing big shows in Ottawa, in hall, everywhere. You know, we were just little kids doing our little shit, but we were following their footsteps. I mean, I hear you. It doesn't change the significant dopeness. Because, no, yo, sure. no, sometimes I feel like, especially my little age group of we were coming into the internet before the older people could catch up with us group. Um, like, we didn't, because there was no history on the internet for us when we was on YouTube. It wasn't really, like, easy to find 1996 Quebec performances. Or it might have been. I never thought to look for it. I'll be fucking real with you as a 19-year-old or whatever. But, like, as time went on and we started rapping and shit, like there was no history. So we came in kind of arrogant and hot, you know, we didn't know what our elders, so to speak, had actually done. So our little petty accomplishments, we thought there was hot shit sometimes. I'm speaking for me and others, not everyone. But like, 
yo, I've kind of seen some of our accomplishments be hella trash <laughs> by comparison <laughs> to some of the real, like, shit where people have done to pave lanes or taking risks or taking losses or just had experiences. Like, to do it in 97 is, like, a difficulty factor, especially coming from the smaller town, in my opinion, like, than it is over here. It's just respect. But- it was the beginning of, of everything too like even when we started like when they started connecting like outside of, of, of Ottawa and they started connecting with, with Montreal it was the very beginning of like San Presión it was SP it was the very beginning of like uh, uh, Yvonne Crevé and all that and all that stuff so there, I remember there was one show and I remember I couldn't make it and it was the biggest show for my dudes um, and they were on the lineup with these guys from Montreal and I was like, fuck, I couldn't make it. I was obviously too young or whatever. I couldn't I couldn't go out that late or whatever. But yeah. Like I was definitely in that circle. I knew what was going on in the hip hop world back then. Like it was we were doing. And it's incredible how like deep the history is with that. Like so how do you get promotion and shit? Let's run it back to ninety seven again. So like so- nowadays everybody's like, pay for ads. All right, let's pretend you can't do it quite like that. Or maybe no. you can't afford payola. How do you fucking come through and run your shit to get some buzz in the 90s? So here's the thing with us is that, you know, we were, even though we were from Elmer, we would spend a lot of time in Ottawa, going out uh, in the nightlife or hanging out at the mall, uh, busting freestyles on the corners with other rappers or whatever. So, you know, we, 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 we were in the circuit. So basically we would, we would, we would get with the promoters and like say, yo, okay, you got a, you got a party that you're doing. Well, let me pass out your flyers and fucking put me on the fucking name on the, on the, on the party as a host or, or whatever, or, you know, get me a, a X amount of, a, of a VIP tickets and I, I'll bring my squad in or whatever. So we were, we had to be, you had to be <coughs> in, the, in the scene in order to be known and to know that, Oh shit, that guy's going to be performing. No, but even so, then it wasn't just like be in the scene. It was, let me help you. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it was the thing with the flyers. I would, I would, one of the, one of the biggest promoters in Ottawa was, was Trevor, every Ivory back then. And we used to be like this because I used to fucking go to a store, grab tons of, of, of flyers and just go out and like pass the flyers to people and network with people, talk with people. So that's, that's, that's what the promotion was. Bro. That, that was social media. Let's Literally be, that, that, that was social real, media. Though. I'm pretty sure the people that go to shows and actually make the effort to talk to promoters do better than the people that don't. Just a little assumption. Of course. Um, no, but that's no, a big like, tip. It's a big key to... Like saying um, out of sight, out of mind, right? So if you're not on site, people are not going to think about you. You got to mm-hmm. be out there. Yeah, it's big facts. So you guys are like running it back then. Were you pressing things? Were you dealing with the whole... No. No, we're definitely not pressing. And again, then, so the first time we actually booked some studio time. So this is after, okay, so here's the thing. So with GPS, whatever, we were doing our mixtape things and rapping over beats and whatever. Then eventually some of us or some of the guys started getting like, uh, uh, we were getting into like contests with like the government and stuff like that. So there was some of my boys that started getting included on like these, these compilations of of, uh, of of rap like it was through the government but it was still like you know they would get people from toronto uh and it, it was one of the first times that i've heard of a uh, classified and one of my boys is on the same compilation actually my boy chat game 
if you guys know chat game dialect I do know chat game so yo that's bro i don't like not personally but i've consumed his music okay well dialect see me and dialect grew up together like dialect i'm a i'm I'm probably a year uh older than than dialect and we pretty pretty much took dialect in in our crew back in the days in high school so because we it was pretty much we were the only rappers in our high school so you had if you want if you were down to with rap you had to be with us there right. was no other news or anything like that. So, so that's why. And then that's how the, the dim life got formed and everything else. So these, these, so right. then I, so another before side, we go I on to that, I got to ask the question. Did y'all battle back then? Cause that was asked and I really want to know the it answer. Was battles. It was, it, we, we just, every time we would freestyle, we would battle each other. And the thing with us too, is that how we got so good in, in rebuttals and everything is because even if we were not rapping, we were still roasting each other all the time. Like we grew up like that, literally, like roasting each other on a daily basis, every minute and shit like that. So when it comes to rap back then, we used to come up with those rebuttals real quick. Bro, I would be soft as fuck by all y'all standards. I'm just going to throw it out there. I got a little harder as I got older. But back then, no way. Um, Shout out Willie for coming through. Willie World's up in the hizzy. Um, but yeah, it's nice to see y'all chatting though. It makes it later. I feel like when people are extra chatty, it makes it feel more like a show. I'm, I'm just like way more enthusiastic about the whole thing. Of course. But, um, it's all about the energy. Yeah. Plus, I love the emotes. Feel free to throw them up. We have the emote wall, which is one of the best things ever in Twitch. Um, But like, you're all back then. And then the dim thing. I forgot the name of it. Uh, yep. Shouts to Dim Life, man. Shouts to uh, Verbal Tech. Shouts to, uh, to Jesse, VKNX. Those are my dudes, man. So walk us through a little bit of that, too, because you're saying it's around 2000 now, so y'all been at it a little bit. Okay, so, so yeah, so Dim Life came a little bit after that, but um, so basically I took a, a, another turn. I started doing some other things, started hanging with other people, and um, not that I had left rap, but I wasn't as much as into it, and I, was, I wasn't hanging out with the the, the pretty much the people that that i started it with and then i i i can i say this because it's the only way that i that i can kind of see it is it's kind of like if i graduated or i jumped the stage and i started hanging out with the people that were actually in the scene then so then then that's why that's when we formed the 48 the 148 squad when the 148 trio split my boy gregory started recruiting other people and recruited me another guy from from elmer and two other guys we had some r&b in there and everything and that's the first time that we actually went into the studio and recorded something this was like 2000 i would have to say and this is the first time like we're, we're starting to have access to our own beats and once we had access to our own beats that's when we started saying okay we need to hit the studio and uh we ended up recording maybe two songs uh on, from that one studio session and uh yeah i bet you were mad efficient in that session how like me i was ready like i was ready because you know i'm having the, the latino fucking uh <laughs> ethics i was like i was there i was ready i was ready with my verse like, like yo, yo I, studio I, time I, must I, have been pricey back then is all i'm thinking oh, in my hell head. yeah so that's oh, why and then we we're all go. talking it was like yo guys we don't have a lot of time you know let's do our best let's do it so the main, the two dudes that were putting that pressure were the two dudes that were the longest to fucking do their parts. Me and my, me and my, my other boy, we went in. I think we did it on even on the first take. I was like, yo, papa. I think I did my, I laid it down and then I did my, my, my back vocals over it and I said, yo, I'm good. And yeah, man, 
Yeah, that's fire. That's a good. That's a good first studio story. I came in. The other guy was annoying. I fucking proved him wrong. He was a loafer. Fuck that guy. I don't mean fuck that guy. I don't want to. But like in the context of the story. (laughs) But then yeah. So then uh, after that, probably we uh, we did probably a couple of shows after that too. And then uh, you know, real life started kicking in, and then everybody started having their own stories. uh, You know settling down with girlfriends and stuff like that so you know mm. girlfriends do have a big impact on people yeah especially back then you know so yeah man so you know things uh starting taking another turn so then i i hung up the mic in 04 maybe and then in 05 no actually not 04 that was way too late i probably hung yeah maybe, yeah 04 and then in 05 i moved to montreal and i started beat making mm. <laughs> So you're a Montreal beat maker in 2005. Yeah, um, I didn't like. I didn't. I like D track has a has a track on my beat, and also um, DL Incognito from Toronto has a track on my beat. Um, but that was like you know I wasn't doing it. I was doing it more as a hobby more than anything. I wasn't like going out there and like shopping my beats and all that stuff. I used to fuck with Reason back then. And with the fucking same keyboard, you can't see it, but my keyboard's still there. Um, but yeah, man. So I did that probably for a, a year or two, and then uh, probably in 2008, that's when I picked up uh, a controller and I got into the whole DJ life again. So right. So over the 2000s, you're rapping for a while. It doesn't end up working out in the way you want because everyone gets kind of old. I was that too, that. and myself too. You know, I started like you know, I had a serious girlfriend back then too. I, you know, I, I was living with her. I lived with her for like four years, so music wasn't really. No, I hear you. Yeah, honestly though, even for a minute, like especially if you get like a job or something that's actually kind of fire, and yeah, your whole like standard exactly. of living changes, and you're like, oh, say word, and then you yeah. like run some math, and it's like. You know, like I never quit it, my job to be a starving artist. I got promoted to afford my art. And I'm not, like, trying to say it, but it actually took, like, several years of not having a life. A hundred percent. And then now I can maybe start going to shows and shit for, like, the first time in, like, fucking, I don't know, six years. Like, fucking five years. But, like, yeah. Definitely. So I, I really like heavy to that. Music definitely took a backseat for a couple years, you know? No, it makes sense. So you come back into it. You do the beat making for a and minute. Also, like, like when I was like seventeen years old, or yeah, seventeen years old, I I moved out of my parents, uh, so I was like on my own with one of my homeboys for like a year and a half. So it was like you know, a bunch of different things. I like I said, that's when I started hanging out with different people, doing other things, and and stuff like that. You know? No, I feel you. So then you get to the point where it's oh eight. And you're uh, getting back into the DJ game, and you're in what? You so yeah, Saint, so is this where you're in St. Henry? Yeah, actually, it is. It is what I'm in St. Henry. Um, so how it happened is just that, because I've always been the dude bringing the music to parties. Always, always, always. I was always the dude on the tapes or on the CDs and whatever, and providing the music for the party. So, and in St. Henry, I had a pretty big apartment, and I was having a lot of uh, a lot of parties. I used to work at Distributel back then, so I I was in in the in the, in the office type of world, that, you know. So I was inviting all sorts of people, and then eventually I'm like, yo, because I, then I started hearing about the, the 
the Serato and all that shit. And I'm like, oh, I'm sure by now there's probably other softwares on the computer to DJ or whatever. I was just looking for a place where I can quickly just fade in, fade out to another. So I wasn't thinking of like, you know, actually mixing songs or whatever. Cause I was like, if I'm home, I'll just be doing this as we're chilling, kicking a party at my place. So then I got one of these fucking hundred dollar fucking controllers from fucking Future Shop. It was bullshit, bro. It's super bullshit. Shut up, Future Shop, for having shitty instruments. <clears throat> yeah. So then, but I was like, okay. And then at least I was like, okay, cool. I'm able to see all my library. And that's when I brought in all my MP3s because that's the thing, too. All through these years, I've never, like, yeah, making music took a backseat, but I never stopped listening to music. And I never stopped being a hip-hop head and a, a music collector. So all these years, I've still been been collecting music. So when when I got into like the 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 scene like the the the, the library of of the of the of the DJ software, I was like, okay. So then I started putting in all my music into my computer and like having a huge fucking library of music. Shut up. So then, uh, their first controllers from Future Shop. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, it makes sense as a place you would go. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't looking for anything. I wasn't, I wasn't saying, okay, I'm gonna get into this and I'm gonna be like, yo, I, I didn't even know Ah, if digital scene, nothing. I mean, I was just thinking, yo, I just want something that I'm able to mix one song to another. Ah, It sounds to me like like a dude who has a barbecue. And then says to himself, I want a better barbecue because it's in the same kind of context, right? Like you're having parties and you were the king of the castle and shit. And you just wanted to be like a mightier king of your castle. And I fucks with that. That makes a lot of sense to me. And it's such an authentic like, and I don't mean like other things aren't authentic, but like, no, this is organic. That's what I meant to say. It's such an organic fucking transition right this isn't like, like you said you're not trying to be a dj you just want to have better parties at your crib yeah. and i find that beautiful to be honest with you yeah. so then um so then yeah so then i start i started getting curious about this the software and this fucking controller i'm like yo i'm sure there's something that's more responsive because i couldn't do and also the one of the reasons why i got that controller was just to do fucking switchbacks you know, because I was still a, a scratch nerd and like a switchback nerd from back in the days of just doing that. That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to fucking bring it back, you know. But then I was like, OK, this fucking controller sucks. It sucks. Obviously, I'm sure there's something. And then I started, you know, getting intrigued and then started doing my research for other stuff until I saw the uh, the fucking the, the Vestax VCI 300. And that was a life changer for me. So this is your second controller because DJ Magnanimous asked if it was your first. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'm lying. Before that, I had the Newmark, the Mixtrack, the Mixtrack Pro. That was the very first moneymaker that I ever had. No, actually, maybe not moneymaker, but it was the (laughs) the first controller that I used to do parties outside of my house. So I, I like I upgraded from doing parties. Now I was getting yo, you're doing a party, I'll come DJ at your party. You know? You know. So that's what with the new Mark fucking mixed track pro. No, that's so practical. That's what's fucking cool about being a DJ. Cause you're when I when I thought to myself, I actually it was like cause you were saying the guy at the party who controls the music, and I've been at those hotel parties where nobody wanna be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
I but see, I was voluntarily that guy. I was like, yo, I'll put the music anywhere, everywhere. I had the music. I used to always carry my backpack, obviously, and a bunch of CDs, mixed CDs. I was a king burn CDs back then, too. So I was burning CDs left and right. So I had tons of mixtapes and fucking, you know, burnt on CDs. So anywhere I would go, I would have my stash of CDs and fucking just play the music anywhere, man. That's fire. I mean, mm-hmm. people like you are beautiful, is all I'm saying. Like, I didn't know how important a DJ person was until like later on in life when I got asked to make my first playlist for a fucking work event, and I'm like, N- it took me four hours and it was garbage, dude, garbage. Like, I don't want to front like it was good. It was better than what they did, but it was still bad by any reasonable standard. So, motherfuckers who can playlist and curate are like. Real gifts to like a lot of the entertainment industry that I think are highly undervalued as like a skill set. Yeah. Anyway, so yo, after that new mark came in the fucking so with the new mark two again, I was like, okay, this is better than the other stupid controller. I can scratch, but I don't think the scratch is accurate like I thought that it needed to be. Mm. And that all changed once I got the v, the the Vestax VCI three hundred. And shouts to Magnonymous, as Magnonymous knows. Magnonymous has it also, I believe. And he knows what the fuck that I'm talking about. Is that about. what you're using now, or is this a different... No, 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 hell no, of course. That's that's an old machine. But that machine, that machine became my first moneymaker. I brought it to clubs because it, it was a pro machine. It was a pro controller. You can actually plug, like, you know, quarter inches in the back. It had, like, an actual sound card. And... You could have plugged it into a like a real sound system and be like, yo, full blast. Okay. So it was like my first actual like, you know, pro or semi pro controller that I was able to like, you know, like I said, bring so, to clubs. That's so the how I first started. one was like more accurate. So basically as your quality goes up, when you're saying responsiveness, this is like literally the records level of sense. Like a mouse is fucking like you would pay top dollar to have a better gaming mouse and shit. And you're basically doing the same shit. With DJ gear. Yeah. So, That's yeah. Super so, nifty. So, with that one, I was able to get, once I got the, the VCI, it came with Serato Pro. And that's, like I said, that was a game changer. And, like, the responsive was legit. The scratching was legit. And then I was able to do the scratches, like, crazy on the controller. And people were like, what the fuck, man? That's a fucking toy. And you're making these fucking crazy scratches on our thing. And to this day, too, I like when I do like, you know, quick mobile, mobile gigs, I'll bring my controller and I'll fucking scratch the shit out of it. And then people are like, how the fuck are you doing that on a controller? Midas touch. I've got to explain why that's significant, because if other people are like me, we're looking at you going, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, how, wait, so the, the controller. Chats to, to my boy, DJ White Sox. I was doing the uh, the release party for my boy, the track, a couple of weeks ago in Montreal. And I was like, you know, going wild with the fucking controller. And then he comes on stage. He looks at me. He just starts like, you know, head nodding. He's like, how? How are you doing that on this? I'm like, come on, bro. You already know, guy. <laughs> so, like, what is the challenges of a controller? Like, I don't, I'm not like knowledgeable enough to fully understand this flex but i feel like it's a flex worth understanding it is well i guess it, it, it's just because you know the one the turntable actually turns and you have the actual control because 
you know, you're actually controlling the vinyl and the music that's on the vinyl on, on the controller, that thing doesn't, doesn't uh, rotate. So you're kind of like, you know, either going through your eyes, watching the, 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 the wave on the computer, or you're actually, you know, really knowing the songs. And I think that's, that's my, my advantage, I guess me that I, I, I literally know like every single part of the song. So I'm able to grab the right part and stretch so, it. So, and this, with the, so the controller means that, one of the DJ things, like the record that's playing, is playing the live song, and there's not like anything else in the middle. So you're saying that you're able to grab a live record and just do a wicked wicked or whatever, and just make it sound like whatever, but like not have any latency or in advances or anything like that, right? Well, yeah. Well, now nowadays with the controllers and the and the vinyls, it's pretty much super accurate. So that that's not an issue anymore. That like the latency issue or anything like that. It's it's almost like, you know, almost 100% accurate. So right. on both, whether it's on, on controller or if it's on turntable. So, yeah. Okay. So I, I have a better understanding of what the fuck you mean now. And I can see how that's a flex. That's dope, man. So you just like... So, apply- so my anonymous, anonymous is getting into the, the specifics of the actual Vestax. But yeah, that's exactly what it is, man. The Vestax were able to like, you know, be so accurate with... with the thing and like you could adjust the like the, the 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 little platter to your own liking and stuff like that it was just a great fucking machine and what the fuck like is a, said, what does adjusting a platter a mean <laughs> what? The, well, the platter the is the thing like you know the 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 turntable the the the, the table the the, the platter you know? right, right, right. no okay i get it just you know, because that's the thing about it is a lot of this is jargon. So you're you're saying right. it like y'all understand yeah, it. Totally I'm right. like, mm, the rest of the audience out there needs to also follow this too. Hmm. Let us stop. <laughs> so okay, so the the platter is like you know it's the it's the round thing, but some of them are like heat sensitive, meaning that as soon as your 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 finger touches it, it'll it'll stop the song or whatever. So it's heat sensitive others had the other technology which i don't know which like maybe touch sensitive or like whatever you know so but with 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 the vestax one they really nailed it down and also so what what magnanimous is saying is that so on that platter it was like i think it was it was touch sensitive more than anything but anyways so it's very accurate and also like a like a turntable you guys can see my turntables right yeah clear clear so so like a turntable us when we're mixing, instead of touching directly the song, we're, we're gonna be touching the side of the record to like slow it down or like speeding it up to be able to fit the mix exactly when you're mixing a song, right? Bro, I never would have known that. With that controller, with that controller, it was one of the first controllers where you were able to do that on with the platter. So instead of just touching the top of the platter, you can just touch the side in order to 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 to, to speed up. The, the the platter or to slow it down in order to do your mix proper and that is just match the tempos of the song so everything kind of seems pretty yes seamless. but obviously like you know when when you have like vinyl rips or you have like actual songs sometimes the bpms are not quite you know so you have to do that in lifetime okay. all of this is super nifty all of it, especially your visual demonstration. That shit was super fire. You fucking making this an amazing experience, Mr. EZLD. That's all I'm trying <laughs> to say. And, like, it, it's, it's super, it's cool. Like, I know for a fact people don't appreciate things they don't understand. 
and the learning curves on a lot of things are hard. So like you're like, I'll put my finger here. I'm like, I I see you now. I get it. I didn't even know DJs did that. But see, again, it goes again, knowing your music, knowing your songs and things like that. Like, you know, like I have songs that are, are probably like vinyl rips. And sometimes you like that BPM will go like either over or or actually like mixing like, you know, I don't know, 80 songs or like disco songs. Even though the BPM sends one thing, that band is doing another fucking BPM throughout the song. And, the, and that BPM changes throughout the song. And wherever the timing that that song you want to. You want to blend it in with another song that VPN could be changing. So sometimes you'll see that DJ fucking struggling and like, you know, adding that that extra to that platter. And you're like, what the fuck is he doing? Well, he's adjusting the mix live because it's not perfect, you know. But people don't either realize or don't know. People have no fucking that, idea any of this shit's they're, happening. They're that good of making that seamless because that's her job of a fucking DJ. And you know, we're the, that the bad of us. noticing shit. Like, if you were to actually ask people about BPM half the time, I ain't most people really be following that. Like, in the app, like the people at the places where the DJs be at. <clears throat> but, yo, I swear in my life, not one time have I ever really thought about what the fuck is happening like, to that level of detail. I just figured DJs be, like, doing their thing. And uh, stuff happens. And it look cool. And I'll fuck with it. And- Especially if 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 you feel like if if like uh, like me, anonymous or whatever, we are DJs that you know play music that's been created in different decades. That music is definitely fucking different. So you're gonna have to manually adjust as you're fucking mixing. I mean, to DJ Magnanimous's point, Steve Aoki did not help your case. Um, like his you know, entire set's playing and he's throwing cakes at people and shit. Like it's kind of like it is, but like. I think in a lot of ways, it's just like, I don't really see a lot of it, you know, even when DJs be doing it. And a lot of the DJs, you know, are some of the humblest, meekest dudes I've ever fucking met in my life. And they do not like grandstanding or showboating in any realistic way to like kind of hype themselves up. And I love that about them. That makes fucking great people. But like super bad for the people giving the shit to the level that they should like i don't know that's, that's why that's why that's why too like i i like i love twitch because there are some actual viewers that look into that or that hear that shit and and you know they'll tell me on private and say yo the way you mix that with that i'm like oh shit there's actually people nah. watching this and and actually paying attention so i fell in love with that shit you know Honestly, I, I, I had the chance to do three streams where I freestyled over this EDM dude DJing. I spent the whole, yo, shout out uh, for the follow. Um, hey, it's a girl 96. Um, but like, I remember the whole time I'm freestyling or whatever, watch, I'm watching the man's hands move and how every moment it impacted the sound in some way. Or, and I'm like, yo, this is so riveting. Because you don't, you don't see this shit, right? You're not really like allowed to like, watch the dj and i don't know it isn't like you're at the rock show or like i, I saw lincoln park a few times they got to dj they're not fucking putting a camera over joseph hans handwork you know it's all on chester's face and shit rest in peace but like it's just kind of like 
you know, I, there's, I don't know why though, because it's so fucking cool when you're actually watching it. Just even your hands moving. So I'm like, bro, so that's the knob, that's the volume knob. What knob? You know, like it's just so curious. This is how crazy, how crazy! Like I was into scratching back then. Like when I used to hear, uh, like a, a, a DJ mix or whatever, I used to imagine. Like I used to close my eyes and say, okay, he's on the right turntable right now, and he's switching to the left. Oh shit, he's doing like. And you can tell, like, if you're a real DJ and, you, and you, your ear is very, very, like, fine, you'll know that shit. And I know Magnanimous is going to know what I'm talking about, but, like, the Funk, Funk Master Flex Volume 1, that's, like, to me, that's my DJ Bible. That's, like, my scratches come from there. My mixing comes from there. Like, you know, like, that's that That was my first learning fucking, like, mixing. I've never ever. even thought to, like, go look at that shit from the perspective of what Funk Master Flex be doing. That's 1995, and back then he used to record his mixtapes on turntables directly, one take. So, and you would hear, and and this is what I'm telling you: you would hear the difference of a sound of the record playing on the left and on the record playing on the right. Like it, it, it would either be the pitch is a little bit off, or that the sound is a little bit higher. But you would know that shit. And so here comes him doing his his routines, and I would know what the fuck he was doing without having to see what he was doing. That's what I'm telling you, like how sick or how how crazy I was for that wow, shit. This is just impressive, dude. Like, I'm. It makes me want to go like care more about DJ shit and yeah, stuff. For sure. Like, it's I addictive, don't... bro. Once you understand, once you you know the language that they're talking about, bro, it's like mind blowing. And seeing like you know, greats like Craze or like you know, uh, Mixmaster Mike or like you know, and seeing them do that shit and you know what they're doing. I empathize with that shit. I kind of get it. I mean, I play, I dibbled and dabbled in bass guitar. So when I hear an A-Lass bass line and I watch the fingers, I'm like, so like I'm empathizing fucking heavy with what you're saying. I know that there'd be DJ competitions and shit, but I don't know fuck all about the world because let's be real. I don't know. Like, I just don't know anybody that be like, I'm going to the DJ competition. None of the rappers I know be talking about it. Um, Yeah none of the beat makers i know really be talking about it like and i'm not trying to shade anybody i'm saying it's wildly interesting to me how segregated a lot of these different scenes seem to be because it's all cool and i don't know why i never think about it because it's just never in my face and some shit again i'm saying all this to kind of like rectify it in my brain a little bit and give a shit more (laughs) but like I, I don't even I couldn't I couldn't answer a question about is there like a scratch like where would I go in Montreal <laughs> like I couldn't answer any of that shit I know under pressure does its thing but that's like yeah. once a year Big up under pressure. yeah under pressure I've been part of under pressure like probably the last fucking 10 years maybe shots to under pressure man always there always for the culture even before like getting to the DJ game or when I was rapping I used to come down from from Gatineau to to come to say a word. Uh, yeah. network and fucking freestyle with the fucking hip hop world uh, 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 back then, you know. So yeah, hundred percent fucking shouts to under pressure. Man. I appreciate what the Victor Wooten of DJing means. That dude blows your fucking <laughs> mind if you ever watch. Yo, do your. I'm gonna get another deal right back. Do your thing, but that's that's it's it's all wild to me. Like for me like the last year and a half has i guess kind of been a journey of going oh safe word there's like an iceberg of this shit inside of the city inside of the culture inside of all of it and like 
I feel blessed to like have people willing to explain the shit to my ignorant ass. <laughs> That's a blessing, is all I'm saying. Um, but yeah, under shut up under pressure. They let me do it. Uh, Yo, hold up, hold up. Mm-mm. Ismail said something about Tito. Okay, when Brother Ali yeah. was performing. You know, I, I, I prefer, well, I, I was fucking already the Rugged Man's DJ for On The Pressure Festival a couple of years ago. His DJ couldn't cross the border. The promoter, the promoter who brought him was my boy. He's like, yo, he calls me. He's like, yo, you want a DJ for already the Rugged Man? I just hung up. I'm there. <laughs> Dude, that's a flex. I mean, Bro. I would, and I would fucks with that. That sounds awesome. What's it like? I went to meet him. I went to meet him at his uh, at his hotel like just before the the show. He he gave me he transferred me the the, the songs. Went to the playlist. Okay, here this is what I want you to do here. I'm like nah, nah. and here you can throw scratches. I'm like okay. Do you want me like to you know as you're talking, you want me to like throw some scratches in with the beats? He's like yeah yeah yeah. Do 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 that hip hop shit. I was like all right cool. So he gave me like you know creativity whatever. And every time he would tell me yo drop the beat, I was just boom drop the beat. And then, like, you know, mid-show, as he's, like, you know, thanking everybody, whatever, it's, like, ramp-packed the people. He goes, is like, of course, this is hip-hop. Give it off for my man, DJ Easy LD. Not only once, but twice. He's like, nah, 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 nah. Give it off for my man, DJ Easy LD. I was nuts, man. In my, in my head, then I was like, yo. Bro, I was dying in my I head. I feel that. Like, that's, like, it's not a lot of people I would, like, geek over like that. Ra is on a list of people I would geek on over like that. Biggie wanted to sign Ra the Rugged Man. Ra the Rugged Man's vibe, crazy, and he's so authentic and he's so fun. Like the fact that the fact that he did the WAP remix, bro, that made me love him even more. You know, like just when you think he can't come up with ways to make you fuck with him more, he just keeps doing it. Yo, Specters, man, who are you, man? Tell me who you are. I know you know. I know you because. It's the beauty of the internet. You just sometimes <laughs> have to accept that people know who the fuck. Yo, Spectres, thanks for the follow, though, for real. I appreciate that. Um, hey, bro. But, yeah, so, like, yo, let's turn it back then. So, you're 2008. You get your gear because we got – this is all a tangent, a beautiful tangent. Um, but, like, you get your gear. How do you, like, migrate from being I'm a dude that throws parties into I'm a guy getting bank? <laughs> Well, so, you know, it's because I'm a, I'm a firm believer of like, you know, not like if, if I got into something, I would go a hundred percent. I would not half-ass it or anything like that. So when I, when I first got the gear, my goal wasn't going to the beat, to be the DJs on the club or anything like that at first. I was like, I wasn't even thinking about that. But once I got comfortable and once, once I was able to like control the shit and be like, yo, I'm in control for several hours. And like knowing you're in control, then I was like, okay, now I think I'm ready to start doing clubs and to start building my brand. So then I came up with my name. Uh, I came up with like, you know, when I started out. Explain how you came up with your name. So (laughs) um, at first, what I wanted to call myself was L Duran. The reason why is because one of my DJ idols from Ottawa was called El Karam. And that's the guy that I that I fell in love with his scratch, with his scratching and everything. And I I pretty much replicated his scratches growing up. 
So he was the dude that I wanted to like pay homage to and stuff like that. So I was like, yo, I'll go by by L Duran. L because being my first name, Lewis Duran being my last name. But then I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to have my name as a, a DJ. You know? That's fair. Thought it was like a bit corny and I was like, ah, yeah, I like it, but no, nah, it's like, I don't know if I want my actual name there. So um, then I think I shortened it out to LD. So Lewis Duran. Uh, but then the phonetic uh, way came about and I was like, oh shit. Actually, I'll do the LD, but I'll write it phonetically. Yeah, I never even realized that's what you were doing there. That's what it is. <laughs> so, and then the easy came because okay, so here, so I think what happened as I was I was doing some house choices or whatever, and I, I was hearing um, an interview with uh, I think it was Grandmaster. Uh, Grandmaster Easy uh, Easy something or and then and then I was thinking in the future I was like oh shit if ever like I, I I wanted to have a DJ name that was dope if ever years after the Grandmaster would come so I was like oh shit Grandmaster no 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 so that was that that's that's the intonation that I was I was going for I wanted to, to that so that it sounds good if ever down the line I get the title mm. of Grandmaster so Grandmaster LD didn't sound good. Not not super great. And then I heard I can say the uh, Grandmaster Easy Easy LP, I think. No, Easy LP is a producer. There's somebody else and I'm I don't know if for some reason I'm forgetting that name. But it sounded like that. And then I'm like, oh my God, Easy LD. My Grandmaster Easy LD, if ever it comes to that. And then I just I just started saying Easy LD, Easy LD. I'm like, yo, I think I like this. And then people can just call me easy and that's it. And L or just LD or whatever. So I'm like, oh shit! I think it it really starts ringing a bell, and that's that's what uh, that's what I stuck with, man. LD. Of course, yo, uh, we world. Of course, you gotta earn that's it. That's really why I, it was just it was just an idea or or, or a vision that I yeah, saw. Yeah, really. You ain't ever would, sat there and like pictured. It's called visualization, bro. Yeah. It's in all of the fucking books. You're supposed to be visualizing the success of your future in order to manifest it into reality. My man, there you go. You know, that's facts. Law of attraction shit. Anyway, nah, nobody's saying he is. He's saying you got to make sure that your name is proper when you dare. That's called good planning. I respect that you put that level of thought in. I did not put thought into my first name and it turned out it was, it was a fucking tire. No, shit. I no, I had H bomb for a second, and I found out that could offend people in Hiroshima and shit. And I was like, "Oh, that's a terrible fucking name." And then I moved to H man, and then there was an H man, and then HSR turned out to be a tire company, and Hamilton something fucking public transit. So that was shit. Now I want my government name. So, but anyway, like at, at some point because of the internet, like even. Your government saying your government name what became some cool, you know? Mm. I don't know. I just figured you can't copyright that shit. I own that shit. I don't care who else is out there. It's just fucking and thankfully my like it was spelled out in my logo so it passes all the fucking distro kid checks. <laughs> <laughs> um 
how how do you get a grandmaster title? I didn't I don't know a lot about this. Is like is this like a an official thing or is this more like a internet thing? No, no, it's no, no, no. It's an official thing. It's way before the internet. Um, but yeah, no, uh, you become a grandmaster when you like you know, you you reach a certain amount of years into the hip hop game. Is it like clout oriented? No, 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 no. It's it's an actual like it's an honor. Like it's 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 like a. It's like a you know a samurai shit. You go down from from samurai to samurai, and this is a DJ thing. That's it's not super popular because it's only DJs that actually know the shit. So it's like a, a grandmaster has to make you a grandmaster kind of thing. Kind of thing, yeah. That's like actually I, the last grandmaster fire. that I heard. I think the last grandmaster that I heard that got got given the grandmaster status was, I believe, uh, Mixmaster Mike. I think he's now grandmaster Mixmaster Mike. That's so cool. And then it's like a hidden fucking... Uh, oh, there you go. Magnanimous uh, just said DJ Scratch recently got it. So, like, this is almost like a secret society of DJ shit that only DJs know about. <laughs> and it's probably fire, and it's not being jacked by other people because nobody knows about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super dope. Yeah. Like, it's dope that we still have, like, little things that are still belong to us and, like, the whole... That, that was the cool thing about hip-hop, you know? Like, hip-hop was, like, something that, you know, it was not everybody that knew about it, and you had a certain proudness of being part of it, knowing that it's not everybody that knows about it. So, kind of like the same thing. No, I appreciate that. Um, as time goes on, I understand the value of exclusivity and the problem with pop, <laughs> just in general. But yeah. Grandmaster Flowers, shout out to the original Grandmaster. I don't know who that is, but I will Google at some yeah. point. I might forget, so one day I'll Google. <laughs> or it'll come up and I'll be like, shit, I was supposed to Google that. But, like, it's wild, right? Because, like, every branch of the trees of the hip-hop is just deep as fuck. Yeah. Um, all I know about Grandmaster Kaz, and this is my only Grandmaster Kaz anecdote, is I fist-bumped him in VR. And I met him in VR and we fist bumped. And that was the first VR moment I had worth talking about. <laughs> it just happened to be Grandmaster Kaz. I don't know who the fuck he is, really. I kind of know his significance. Oh, Grandmaster Kaz is a fucking hip-hop legend, bro. Again, I know I'm supposed to know more. But, like, yo, everybody be kind of wildly not talking about shit before 85. <laughs> it's like... Prior to, like, fucking Run DMC, it wasn't, like, hip-hip with the youth of that, you know? So I, those are most of the people I talk to. It's, like... Those are those are the actual people that were doing it for us and making it what it is, what it became. Because, like I said, hip-hop was, like, a secret society back then. Hip-hop was played in gay clubs. Like, you know, it's because the gay people were allowing them to, to come rock your crowd here. Yo, you dropping shit I never heard in my life, my oh, guy. Bro, this whole industry is full of that. I don't know. That's some bro, knowledge bro. nugget shit. Back in back then in New York, like if you would ask, like yo, like the hip hop world started in fucking gay clubs, man. Like, no lie. And any any hip hop dude, any hip hop head would would tell you, confirm that shit right now. I mean, Willie's here being super excited, and my experience is. Willie Scandals is the standard for old man hip-hop views. I don't mean that derogatory. I mean it just as an age thing. Like the original founding fathers and whatever he thinks is super dope is absolutely that era. 
I fucks with you, Willie. You definitely know. You, you, he knows it. He's self-aware, and he plays into well, it heavy. Like, been dropping some shit, and I was like, okay, these guys, like, there's there's some real hip-hop hits up in this. Yo, Willie Scandal's about it, about it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I was 12 when Eminem popped. Nelly took over the world. DMX, yeah. <laughs> I tell you, those yeah, three, I, absolutely. Nelly. Yo, my my yeah. one of my first albums is fucking Nelly Nelly's first album. The Country Grammy? Yeah, bro. I'm like twelve years old. Here's the, Here's the thing though, like I didn't like it because of the sound. Like to me it wasn't traditional hip hop, it wasn't that boom back shit. It was like mainly super commercial. But later on I catched on on what he was actually saying on that song. And I was like, yo, this is gangsters. Yo, I'm going down, down, baby. Yo, street in a Range Rover, street sweeper, baby. Cop ready to like, let what? it go. And you're like, like what? Cock ready to let it go. Back then, street sweeper wasn't in my fucking vocabulary. I didn't know what the fuck. And I thought about. I literally, because I'm 12, I'm like, okay, there's a street sweeper. <laughs> you know, like, fuck do I know about that shit? Yeah, you're thinking it's a fucking broom for the streets? No, I swear. Back then, I mean, I don't know what any of it meant. I don't know what head meant back when I heard EI when I'm like super young. I don't know what any of the shit meant. Yo, straight up, RIP Sean Price and all of that. And I like, I got to talk to a lot of people that fucked with Sean Price in person. I never like whatever, but like I've talked to like a lot of people that like know him and how stand up that dude was and the whole boot camp click and how fucking like down to earth they are because they. Rolled no, with Team Hami and shit. About Bootcamp Click, 1997, we were at the Bootcamp concert in fucking Ottawa. We took pictures with the whole fucking Bootcamp Click. They were fucking doing rollerblading outside of the venue around, throughout the day before the fucking show. Man. That's wild. But, Great. man, I fucked um, with But, yo, hold on. One, one thing I wanted standard, to say. Willie, Willie dropped a Master Ace on, on, on his comment. Bro, I've dj for Master Ace twice. And I've seen him live probably like six or seven times in my life. Till this day, he's my favorite, most fucking crazy performer I've ever seen on stage. Master A's, bro. Yo, y'all toss the football. Like, ah, this is fire. Yo, this is one of the best chats. Y'all are making this one of the best, like, from a chat perspective. This is this ranks <laughs> high. Y'all are a good chat is what Crazy, I'm saying. Because we're, like, telling all stories and you guys know about these stories, man. It's fucking, it's, it's full circle, bro. Appreciate yeah, this shit. It, it makes it dope. I appreciate people like DJ Magnanimous and Willie who like are willing to come through and just they want to hear about you and, and your life because I'm sure that they're catching things they never heard before. And everybody loves that shit. Everybody likes kind of getting to know the people they care about. You know, it's like sure. the whole like give flowers before people die shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Willie toured with Master A string, fucking scribble jam. That's a flex still. He scribbles, man. Fuck, I had his first mixtape too, man, on CD. Um, but yeah, for real though, like, so you basically then in the early 2010s start to come up with the fucking like club transition. Then, like, you're like, I'm good enough now. I got my name. I fucking got my game. I'm ready to get my pay. Yeah, so so basically, so how it how I started transitioning to clubs is because I started doing actual like, you know, like organized birthday parties with people, and I was like, okay, I'm the DJ, and these are like, they they started to be like with a small circle of my friends, but with other people, 
you know so then i was starting to like you know get more loose of being able to play in public to other people that are not my friends and being able to rock them so once i was able to do that i was like okay i think i got something here so then yeah i started then i was lucky enough too that you know because i was in, from ottawa and gatineau um i knew a lot of like promoters and stuff like that so when i started like you know uh spreading the word that i that i that i started djing a lot of people were like oh word okay well i'll have you because either they knew already i was into hip-hop and they knew already i was like a crazy music fucking lover so when i i was telling them i became a dj they was like oh shit like you know the transition they saw it already and they, they understood and they trusted me already so it was like so when my first couple of gigs started they were dope gigs because i had like some serious people in the in the nightlife that they would trust me right away so i was able to like get in there kill it and be like okay this dude is solid from from jump so that's that's pretty much how it started then. Mm. it is really useful if people think you're good at what you do right but you also got to deliver obviously right so well i mean that's what i meant like once you deliver then people think you're really good at what you do and then there's like less doubt of it especially if they've seen you back in the day or they heard of you of you before and what was cool too is that for ottawa or for that that time that i was coming up i guess it's not like the, the 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 old school parties were coming back and were as popular as there is now but it was like the beginning of it. So they, they, there was a demand for that old school music sound. And that's what I was. Cause I was like, yo, I'm a, you know, even then I was like super stubborn when I, when I started DJing, I was like, yo, I don't give a fuck about this new music. I'm only spinning that real shit, that real hip hop shit. But that, that also changed as I started playing in clubs. Cause then I learned, no, that real hip hop shit doesn't work in clubs. You need to be you need to be having the girls dancing on the fucking dance floor if you want your night to be a good night at a club and you want to be hired again at that club. You know, so then I started adjusting different things. Gosh, it's like, amazing oh, what the idea of making women dance will do to a person's music. Bro, career. it's crazy because put it this way, the guys are not bringing the girls to the dance floor to dance. It's the fucking girls. Be <laughs> chunkies or executioners. Ah, shit. Beat junkies for the long run. Executioners at the very beginning were like fucking just crazy, but all of them in general. But uh, shit, I, I, <laughs> man, that's a crazy question. I never, I never actually thought about. I that. know but, it. Uh, I think I know executioners are because if I'm not mistaken, they did some shit with Mike Shinoda. Shouts um, to Rob Swift. Um, but I don't know what a beat junkies is. Yo, Willie, anytime, bro. I'll I'll, I'll come through. <laughs> but like, yeah, um, that's fair. So yeah, so yeah, man, I had to do some some adjustments because, like I said, I was very stubborn at the beginning when I started DJ. I was like, yo, I'm playing that hardcore hip hop shit, and that's it, that's all. But yo, nobody wants a fucking full night at a club of raw hip hop shit. Hell's no. I'm when it comes to like the event side of things, as you pointed out, um, ladies are valuable assets to a successful party situation, and that really does, of course, influence a lot of things. Like at one point, I had a, like my girlfriend. My girlfriend didn't necessarily like all my music, so I had to like figure out why. And then I learned a lot about like head watching women's head bop and see what they react to. And you start to go, oh, say a word. 
Maybe a lot of my judgment cause of an artist has been to impress my male peers more than it has been about actually selling fucking records right. to people. I only got that like epiphany recently, but <laughs> like I I like get it though, cause like I don't know, a bunch of old dudes ain't be buying shit like they claim to be. <laughs> sure, but yeah, man. That once once I made that real realization, I was like, yo, okay, my whole style changed, but I was able to still, like you know keep my essence and be true to mm. myself and be able to still please a certain type of crowd at the fucking club, you know? Uh, those are two good questions for specificity, whatever. Do you mean old underground hip-hop in terms of what you were sticking to your guns with? Yeah, exactly, obviously. So I was, you know, when I started, I was strictly doing my underground hip-hop shit. You know, I was fucking playing the OGCs, the fucking Wu-Tangs, the Mob Deeps, all that shit, you know? But yeah, it was, it's cool for maybe an hour tops, but then you got to switch it up. You got to play some R&B, you got to play some reggae, you got to play some dance hall. You know, you got to go everywhere, especially with, with the 90s music. You you have a pool of all different genres that was all super good. So, you know, and, and obviously that made me a better DJ, obviously. But yeah. That's fire. And so Ismail's asking a great question that I'm very curious to know your opinion on. What's the ultimate club song? And I want to double that with wedding song. So club song depends and the wedding era. song. It depends on the era. Like, oh man, like I, I don't know. It, I kind of hate these questions because it's like it's too vague. Okay. Because so what's the change, ultimate club song for like? Change, for but like it could change people. from day to day. It could it 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 would depend on on the vibe of that particular energy of the people that are there mm, you know? i think hey uh, is a fucking banger but i could see how that might not work with grandma there you go like you know like fucking uh journey is a, an amazing oh, song journey. for fucking wedding bro every time i don't even care exactly so that's what i'm saying so it depends also on your crowd depends also on your crowd like you know i've played i played i played weddings where pony was the fucking you know hit of the night and everybody went wild with it I've done parties where fucking Gangster's Paradise was the one. I can I've see how that works, though. Them. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's it to me. It changes all the time. Anonymous <laughs> with fucking wolves. Yeah, play that at a wedding, buddy. Let me. <laughs> Yo, I bet McNam is like, bro. Let me tell you about. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I I don't think I'm gonna get a lot of control over the soundtrack at whatever wedding I may have in the future. Yo, who is my favorite skater in Elmer? God damn, yo, Elmer had some crazy skaters though, man. Shit, big up the skater scene back then. And that was so dope too. And Elmer, like the skaters and the rappers would hang out with each other because we all used to listen to rap together. That was fucking crazy. Shouts to fucking Elmer skaters, yo. I can't name you one, bro, but fuck. I remember my boy Simon Garceau was dope. He he did a couple competitions, but there was that kid there that went to BC too. What's his name? From Elmer. He went to BC to do some competitions. Yo, Pat Martel was pretty crazy Yo, too. On shout the out team. Feld three fifty. Who well, I'm not even sure who that is with a rate of three. Shout out. Mm-hmm. Oh, shout out Udra Nightshade. You made that happen. I bet. Say fucking Welcome. word. Welcome. Yo, we learning some mad history right now with fucking easy y'all y'all gotta know this man's in case whatever this man's was rapping in the 90s up in fucking canada actually doing the shits proper 
Fucking has basically been the game. Maybe a little off time in the middle since active DJ in the scene. You can follow him on Twitch and shit. Hold on. I'm going to do a links thing. I even made a fucking macro so that my life could do it easier. Boom. Y'all can catch him, do his shit, follow him. Um, You have to subscribe to watch his old videos I learned today. So subscribe to him and catch his old shit. If you don't even believe, give him money and crap. Um, Yeah, that's cool. Your ultimate club song is Rumors by the Timex Social Club. I don't even know what song that is. <laughs> Neither do I, bro. Club song is Rumors by the... Lindella, Florida. He's not in Florida, and he's just on... Like, sorry, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I appreciate you, Lindell. I mean, we all going to have to check that out after. I'm certain of that, because it's the ultimate club song. Bro. I played weddings where I did like some alternative like sets, like fucking played like some Nirvana and some Offspring, some Green Day Yo, and shit. And was, like, actually, that sounds like a life. lit ass wedding fucking playlist. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah. Yo, I want Offspring. That's great. I like. Dude, like they dropped a new show. album this year. Right. No, get the fuck out of here for real. Yeah, and it has like a cover. It has music. A, dude, they covered Gone Away. I don't know how else to put it, but they covered their own song. And now it's like this soft ballad version of Gone Away, like an old man mm-hmm. lamenting. And I'm like, say word, I got to bump this Offspring album. I have to, I have to look into that. I, I had no idea they were still doing Me music. fucking neither, dude. 20 Yo, bro, like me, like fucking self-esteem, bro, was one of like the, the <sighs> songs to me, like it hits... Like, uh-huh. song, but it has like a sentimental value for me because at that time I hooked up with one of like the flyest chicks in fucking in in AY back then, and I was and that particular song was playing when we started making out. So, like, yeah, this song will forever be the song of my life. I love that song <laughs> to death. Um, I yeah. think they're like an incredibly amazing thing in music where. They even have party jams. Like, they got dancing shit. Like, they really yeah. understood music enough to make sure that girls would come to at least oh, five yeah, of well, their tracks and album. <laughs> they, 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 it, they evolved into, like, you know, the machine of what it was because they started out super rebel or whatever. But then eventually, you know, when, when, uh, what was the, that album with America and uh, the come out, uh, not come out and play, but no, Amer- Americana is the one with yeah. fucking Pretty Fly. There you go. With that one, they were able to, like, you know, do music for the fucking the charts and still be able to like bring their Fan. their spring type of sound. Right? I mean, yo, but even like back in the early '90s, when you go back, you can still see, yo, this would have been like fun, dancey, like upbeat music to come to compared to other shit where like they were tapping into some shit in '93 that they evolved in. Yo, but from what I heard of the new album, it's it's got some edge to it. It's not just soft shit. So I'm like really stoked that it exists. And really, I yeah. Got to listen okay. to it because, you know, Definitely sometimes how it goes. But um, yeah, a lot of old bands be coming back. I think everybody had a year and a half to go do things. <laughs> um, I mean, like growing up, I was like the biggest, probably the the biggest Guns N' Roses fan growing up in the 90s. It was like, you know, it was to a point where I had to hide it from my friends because we were all into hip-hop, but I was still listening to, like, you know, that other type of music, too, because when I would come home, my sister would be blasting it and whatever. So, but yeah, I, man, Guns N' Roses till I die, bro. I was, like, 
we had a weird relationship with Guns N' Roses because my dad was at the Forum show with the riot. So at the Forum, the wherever wherever it was, Olympic Stadium, wherever the fuck it was, um, Olympic Stadium. Yeah, my dad was there. Um, show for the host, uh, but like. I don't know. I guess something about Axl Rose being a dick after making them do the wave for three hours. You know, I heard that story a lot growing up. Like, my dad held a fucking grudge. Like, he paid his good money to be there and shit. And, like, trust, I, my parents ain't got money. So, like, this is actually, like, one of the shows they went to kind of thing, right? And so, like, then they there. He told me they did the wave for three hours, bro. I'm like, what? Because you got to keep in mind, there's no cell phones. There's no internet. You're just there waiting for Axl Rose to be, like, done his partying or whatever the fuck he was doing to come out, do three songs, uh, and dip. (laughs) He's like, I didn't even do any of my bangers. (laughs) I read Slash's book, and he explains that part of of what happened there. And I was like, wow, man. What happened? Yeah, yeah, it was Axel being his, you know, his regular fucking bitch, man. Uh, I mean, so after that, my dad, like, you know, you know, he loved it, but like, it hurt him. <laughs> it was like he didn't go back to the makeup uh, concert that he did a few years ago nah, at the Bell Center. Nah, my dad basically like, although they were like, my aunt was with them, thank goodness, so they dipped up before shit hit the fan. Like my aunt was like, nah, we yeah, gotta sure. go like now. <laughs> and but like it's just wild you know but yeah i fucked with guns and roses i know for a fact that like throw on a sweet child of mine if you just blind playing a track people fuck with that shit with, like the b-sides or the album cuts like fucking mr brownstone or like fucking uh uh gotta take it easy like yeah, bro. Yo, we used to have a le- we used to have a fucking concert tape with like fucking one of their tours and we used to watch oh, I that have shit. Like, I have like I think like four, or we rented it from Blockbuster. Couldn't I can't remember because Blockbuster used to have like those concert fucking tapes you could rent and shit. It was it was probably the Usual Illusion tour that they did in the, in France. Mm. If I'm not mistaken, it's the one where Slash has a Pepe Le Pew uh, T-shirt as he's fucking rocking the guitar. I don't remember that level of detail to be honest with you. I was a kid, but I do remember that tape. And that, like, my dad was really into, honestly, that whole vibe of shit. His best friend was a guitarist that, I don't know if it was Guns N' Roses, but it was, like, one of the bands that was either opening for it or it was, like, them. They needed a guitarist. And the dude, they just told him he had to be sober when he's performing. This is my dad's friend who, unfortunately, passed from an overdose at some point. Told him, you just have to be sober for the show. We don't care after. And he was just like, nah, fuck it. I'm not taking the gig. And I'm like... Show say word like you know like man this is wild to think of like how that world could end up being a little bit I don't know that's just what you made me think of it's not really related to much but yeah Guns N' no, Roses no. is wildly like an interesting vibe fuck yeah and and the worst thing is that apparently there's so much footage there's so much footage they they had they were one of the first bands that had a a, a camera guy following them everywhere say but word. I, Axel Rose will not release the tapes. Yeah, because he's fucking Axel Rose smart. Has all <laughs> he has all of this. 
See, all the groupies, all the drugs, all the hotel yeah. wreckage, the rock star oh, prima donna shit. Trust me, in, in almost every part of like where, where there was huge chaos happening in, in Slash's book, he would say that the camera guy has the footage. He would like say, yo, there is footage of this. Like as he's telling these stories, he's saying, he's stopping, he's saying, there is footage of this. You just got to see Axel. That's wild, man. And Axel's not gonna release that footage. Fuck, unless unless there's a fucking huge check beat. Like or I mean that's gonna be like one of those shits where it's like in the darkness of how this is about to go. When he passes and that shit becomes kind of more public, it's gonna be fucking wild. Either that or yeah, but but he he might also not want to release him because there's probably some fucked up shit in those things. I'm saying once you ain't there no more, shit gonna happen. Leaks be a thing, yeah. my guy. Ain't nothing getting destroyed in this era like that. Like that? <sighs> nah, right price is going to come up. This state's going to sell it for the right amount. Fucking people <laughs> would throw a fucking crazy money at the exclusivity oh, of some shit like that. Like, nah, man. How are you going to like turn it? There is a price on shit like that is all I'm saying. Like, I don't even know if if, if it wouldn't be released by Axel. I don't even know if I would, I would want to see it. I'm sorry, but like I want to admit I'm a better person than that. But sometimes I like to watch the gluttonous shit rock stars do when I can find footage of it because it's fucking like there's that story of Jonathan Davis from that album when they're like really on fucking coke and he's recording vocals while somebody who's unnamed that's a celebrity at the time with them one of the rock stars is getting getting head in front of him while he's fucking everybody and I'm like Bro, I kind of want to see some of this footage. Like, I don't give a fuck. I just want to... I'm not in rooms like that. I don't even think if I make it in music, people are inviting me to rooms like that. So, like, it's just not going to be my life. I kind of want to live vicariously through some shit I'm not supposed to be looking at. Like, I got limits on that sensibility, but this type of shit's just fucking... I couldn't resist, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when I found out that time. So on Guns N' Roses' first album, there's a call, there's a song called "My Michelle," and there's a there's a part on the song where you hear like a girl moaning, and apparently it was it, it happened in real life, and it was Axel that was moaning his fucking girl in the fucking studio session, and the mic was on. That's like that Biggie one, it, no? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. The Biggie one was definitely staged. Okay, or one of them, Same. I think. That's cool if it's when it's real like that. That's some fucking wild yeah. shit. Like it's real, sure. But no, no, that biggie, that biggie skit where he's fucking the two bitches. That's definitely that's definitely snitch. Mm, I don't know. I think I saw. Some, sometimes you see some shit on Genius, and sometimes you just want it to be true. Yo, of course, there's a bunch of things like that, and you just want it to be true. But it's, so it's like fucking like a couple of days ago, I found out that. Uh, evidence from dilated people produced Kanye's uh, last call from his first album. You know, last call, the last song of the fucking song, Tears to the Rock. Yo, it's produced by evidence from fucking dilated peoples. That's wild. Crazy. That blew my mind. That fucked me up like this week. Like literally, it blew my mind. I felt that way a lot of Kanye West produced that over the course of my life, actually. When you realize the vastness of Ye, because now he goes by Ye, everyone. I don't know if y'all watched that Drink Champs, but I watched that whole Drink Champs. Of course. 
I felt like this is some hip hop cultural shit one should not miss. Bigger than any of the fucking individual. I'm just a bit, a bit piece, pissed of how he turned himself against uh, Talib Kweli, but whatever. And and also. Okay, here's the thing about that. I know two people this week that Talib Kweli added and argued with. Okay, I know two people in my life this week that he added, and then he's literally doing shit like screenshotting people and like putting them on blast in ways that are just like he's just my guy like i it's like i want to i don't want to feel this way but you just go on his you can get lost on his instagram for an hour like i thought if i was a different kind of creator i'd already have a series called reading talib kwali's instagram <laughs> okay like i don't think you know how bad it is to be on the receiving end of a talib kwali rant for no reason when he feels away about some shit cuz i watched a lot of random people on the internet take a lot of random shit a lot of words that I would not like. I'm just like, Shh. so I'm not saying he's wrong or right. I'm saying he'd be wilding out on regulars. And it's weird. Because these people yeah. that I know, they ain't like anybody that you should be like responding to if you're Talib fucking Kweli. <laughs> well, you know, it's just that he he decides to take the, the time to respond to some, you know. So maybe like it's, it, I'm, I'm. I mean, even think that people that sometimes that he responds to are beyond haters. Like they're beyond, they're just people, they're trolls. Literally. Nah, I mean, I'm and saying, yeah, bad. some of the people troll him, but I watched him turn on people who asked, like, anyway, I spent, yeah. this is like, I did this this week, right? Cause when you go, did dude just say Talib Kweli's calling him a racist? And then you go on the rabbit hole that happened to me earlier this week. And I had to admit, I could see how yeah, Ye no, may you know end up. I could see how like he may actually have pissed off Kanye West. How? Just on being himself and Ye being himself, and that turned into a situation. Boy, your boy's telling you, "Yo, come back to us." You would get pissed because of that too against Talib. Your boy's just telling you, "Come back to us." Okay, your boy's probably not understanding you where you at mentally, but the fact that he's just telling you to come home. Yo, Kanye be on some that. out there shit. I could see why Kanye For would sure. not like that. If you like listen to Kanye though, you can be like, mm, Bro, I can like, see why Kanye yo, don't like that. Alib Kwali brought you on to on your first fucking tour. Just because of that, you should shut the fuck up and not say anything against this man. He put you on your you you put Talib on on one of your not well not the biggest single of College Dropout, but one of like the best rapping singles of fucking uh, of college dropout and you still say this shit like fuck that it's it's super whack and then and then going out and saying that oh to the whole backpack community i'm sorry i i just used y'all to get where i'm at like wow like really dude you you're being this type of asshole right now like wow i mean i'm gonna just throw it out there they did make he didn't have to hit take the blood he didn't have to drink per se yeah he actually did say that shit Everything he's saying is actual, factual, what was said. Yeah, um, what I just said, he literally said word for word. Nah, he's not right. making any of this up. Personally, I didn't feel the same level of reaction to it because I flux with Kanye's vision and I kind of get, I can empathize. Yo, Hold on. I can listen, empathize I with how. I'm a, fan, I'm a Kanye fan, like, but I, I at some point a couple years ago, I decided to. To, to split the man from being the man that he is and being the music producer that he is. I understand. And now, like, 
I, I did that shit a couple years ago. So whatever he said, like on drink champs. So like, like Kanye here, West sticking a little bit. I'm like, fuck, this is so. I even read like, an article on that uh, shit. <laughs> like, you, cause I care about this. It's so interesting to me. This is a big dramatic thing. And he, the way he put the backpacker, I'm like, cause I reviewed his first album. Right. And my, I don't know shit all unless I reviewed that album. And it's not that backpacker at all in a like 2020 like hindsight of who he is it just kind of feels that way because he doesn't sound like the streets exactly but outside of like the flexing it's kind of more on the other side in my opinion just on like the idea of college and then i had his third project i bought that one in like the physical realms back in the day and i always felt it was just like this pop experience right like never felt that was in backpack you know so it's like to me that was my impression and then everything post that i know it was just pretty much when i got heard kanye was all his singles for like the next 15 years until like way later on in life so like to me i never saw him like a backpacker ever i understand i never saw him as a backpacker either but to, to me so here, here's how i saw kanye west coming into the game I was seeing him being the one responsible to bridge in the gap between backpackers and that commercial sound. So he was able to get that commercial sound, but having dope ass fucking backpack rappers or underground rappers on these mainstream records. Okay. That's that, that's what it was his job and that's what he was doing back then. But like you I know, mean, like yo, hearing Talib on a fucking billboard on a billboard fucking hearing comment on a well not coming per se but whatever like you know and then seeing like rhyme fast and then seeing consequence shining through that album and all that shit and then and then and then you're telling like your first album the first album that made you you're turning your back on them and saying fuck y'all i just used you to get where i'm at i think come on it's, it's like spitting but he's it's, like it's, it's he's kind of he's also drunk at this point bro. it's a little like it's disrespectful to I mean, hip hop. It's kind you're of a spitting, it's a thing that keeps like Nori like, like Nori clearly engineers this, right? Like this is what they do, right? Just there for like Nori Nori's happy over whatever controversial shit is coming out of Kanye's, I mean Ismail may go being drunk is not an excuse, but from what I understand and if you listen to Donda, Kanye ain't really been drinking a lot and I've had several moments in my life where I've gotten too drunk and the words that came out of my mouth I can't remember right so we don't know how drunk he was how fucked up he was i understand what you, he was i don't think to that's me. an excuse i don't think i don't it's not like, an excuse I, but they were egging think, him on to talk his shit while he was drunk i'm not saying it's an excuse but i'm saying when the full context people can't be like that you know now like i'm saying in 2021 Kanye be on this next level shit and I think his whole life lately is a bunch of people trying to tell him how to live. I, I don't know about y'all, but I wouldn't like everybody if people kept telling me how to live. And that's the one thing about him that I can empathize with a little bit. Cause Sometimes you're so blinded by your own by your own visions that, you know, you're not seeing the, the maybe how other people are seeing but, or whatever. Maybe other people aren't really like, but none of us. Here's the thing, man. I don't know that many billionaires. And that's just the end of that. Cause like, he's not even on our planet anymore. He's kind of in another, like, we don't know billionaire shit. <laughs> he's a billionaire now. Like, okay. and I know that he's, like changes whatever. And, and it, he has, into, four years ago, he has 
and Zuckerberg for some money. But yeah. all of that was like <laughs> part of his like dealing with shit. I don't know. Like I'm not really here to make excuses now, now, for now him. Now you're doing shit. Now you're saying shit because but, you know it's going to cause controversy. And that's fucking whack. This ain't the WWE. I know a lot of people who feel that way. No, I hear you. <laughs> but I know a lot of people who feel that way about Talib Kweli, though. So, like, it's just, like, I get where you're coming from, but he is kind of. Yeah, like, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm like. And I'm not trying I'm, to say I'm, I'm right here. Fine. I love your discussion. I love the way you're defending this shit because it's super interesting to hear, right? I just want the people out there like to you're know. Turning, you're turning your back on. The, the machine that made you and it and I find that's whack and that's backstabbing that's like it's it's totally it's it's fake you you've been a fraud all this time you know exactly what you wanted to do and this is what you're telling you you're you're of, uh, not avoiding but you're you're uh, fuck I, thought I lost my word you're you're admitting what you did and then and you you're admitting that you were a fraud you used mm. The, the backpack platform to get where you were because you you knew that that's what was gonna work. I appreciate and, and I appreciate this because like I know it's your I don't know if you can hear me when you're getting your beer or not. <laughs> oh, I, I do. You're you're on the oh, yeah, speakers. Cool, cool. On so like, and I I appreciate where you're coming from, right? Because like this is totally the culture that you grew up in, right? In a way that it's not the culture I grew up in. I'm kind of like guest in the house type shit, and I know it. You know, it's just kind of what it is, but. I hear where you're coming from, from a sense where it almost feels like Kanye is willing to come at your community. Whereas I'm a little so, bit like already on the outside. So I don't really feel that side of it. And, and I'm being real with you. I don't feel that when I hear this shit, but maybe I should, but like, it's interesting to understand where you're coming see, from. It's probably because you didn't see Kanye's process when he started. And, and again, you, you just said it because I feel some type of way because he, targeted or he started or he went he aimed to people like me pretty much to in order to like him because at first i didn't like not not that i i didn't like kanye but i was super skeptical about kanye because there was so much buzz around it i was like yo fuck this shit it's like it's 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 media it's it's the machine or whatever and then my real dudes my real friends were like yo you gotta listen to that shit you gotta listen to and then that hit him high song uh get him high song with talib and fucking common that's the song that I was like, okay, Kanye is fucking dope. But now you come here 10 years after and you tell me that you were faking it and you only did that shit to, to get to another stage? Fuck you, bro. Like, you're spitting in my face. You're literally spitting in my face. Yeah, I can see that. And I and honestly, I appreciate you sharing that. Again, like, I don't... <clears throat> he's not spitting in my face. So I don't feel it. all happy. <laughs> We were all happy he was able to bridge or bring dilated peoples to the level that they were. Oh, shit, they were able to to hit their first billboard fucking. Uh, uh, Talib was able to do get by and be and be fucking billboard artist. Kind of common too, like super dope fucking uh, um, uh, that prez and everything like, you know, Kanye put put these people on spots where they were able to make a fucking career out of it. And now you're telling us that you fucking fake that shit. Come on. Bro. It's whack. Um, yeah, I understand. And I, I really, again, I don't know. Like, it's definitely an interesting way to look at it. The other hand of it is, I don't know what the fuck it feels like to be a guy with $5 billion trying to build communes to save the world and shit. So, it's definitely, <laughs> like, I'm definitely going to agree with the, he possibly might not have needed to say that shit. 
fair enough. I appreciate no, no, exactly. that. Like, even, even if you did it, you should have just shut the fuck up about it. Yeah, I mean, like, or at like least he was definitely in a, I'm feeling myself in this moment. I'm going to say some shit. I kind of wanted to say blah, 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 blah. He was a little, you know, one too many type vibe. And so I hear you. And again, I did not understand fully your passion on the subject as we started this. And, um, but same thing, man. For his personal path, it's fucking wild enough. And it's wild to see that that guy is where he is. And I do think yeah. Don does a fucking incredible musical sonic experience where cut out the Kanye guy, the fucking everything, even the rollout is wild to me. Like, sure. But even then, like, I heard it. I heard it maybe two or three times that same weekend. I haven't played it since. There's nothing that wants to make me and go back to it and be like, yo, first of all, I am I'm a, I am a Christian dude. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus and whatever, but I'm not that kind of dude to be hearing songs that fucking tell me I love Jesus throughout the fucking four minutes and or five minutes uh, of a song. Mm. No, I'm not trying to hear a gospel album. I like to hear shit about fucking drug dealing, fucking writing dope beats, fucking, you know, pimping and shit and all that fucking hip hop shit. Don't fucking, you know. No, I hear you with that. I'm just like, for me, it's like, I don't really look at it from that lens at all anymore even with myself i I just make music it sounds like what it sound like right and that's where i kind of got to with my shit so when i heard the album i'm like i'm not in the right state of mind for this project watch me the next time i'm depressed that might be like a real pick me up i hear that but at the same well yeah no i i hear that it could it could hit you at when you're at some that's what music does you know you so like i definitely because yo when i was in new york my man's played Donda a lot when he was having his Kanye days. And Kanye days are very frequent in my man's life. And it was his whip. If you know anything about the whips, you ain't fucking controlling the music if you're not driving. Yo, what up, Critic Cow? But, like, so I heard Donda a lot. And I'm not going to say I heard the whole album. But the tracks I heard, the more I listened to them, and believe me, six, seven, easy. But you're also vibing in New York. It was a vibe. And I'm like, nah, this shit has an element to it. You know what it is? It doesn't sound like... A lot that I ever really heard before. And I'm not saying it that other shit like that doesn't exist. But after four and a half years of music reviews and shit, that shit impresses me much. I mean, okay, fine. But then then don't be calling don't be calling or don't be saying that the project is a full rap album because it's not. I definitely would say it's a sonic experience with all kinds of genres interlaced yeah, within sonic. Experimental music. Shit. It's not rap. I don't know, man. I don't know how to define that. It's not traditional hip hop, but like I don't make traditional hip hop either. So, but I get grouped into hip hop because it's just the virtue of life. So it's like respect the cultures and shit, and I'm down with that. But sometimes when it gets to the, like the categorization and shit, is complicated in my opinion. It's like, especially when you're trying to do new shit with it. Right, but I mean, you're not reinventing the wheel, right? You're not reinventing a sound. You're just, you know, you're just including all these, like, you know, musical geniuses and you're just, you know, having them do some melodic shit or whatnot. It's nothing groundbreaking. I don't know. I mean, like, I get where you're coming from. I feel like it's pretty dope, but I also feel like it's going to be like... I'm not saying it's 
whack. I'm just I'm, like, here's the thing. I think that album is gonna hold up in ten years. In a way, to me, say that this is a rap album and this is what's what represents rap or hip hop at this very time. Hell's no. To me, no. It doesn't Sorry. to you, but it totally does to the young people. And that's the thing is that the young people maybe have a lot of sway. You're saying the young people are all into the, the Jesus chants and all that shit. I, I love people Jesus. Like, I love yo, they was I, playing I, Kanye I, I at Hot 97. At Hot 97. You know, that's payola, bro. That's, that's, that's fair. They need to play that shit. They, they have to play that shit. It's I'm not going to dispute what that is, but I'm saying, I mean, the thing like, is, there's a lot on, of bro. the drill. There's a lot of the whatevers, but hey, uh, hold on. let if, me ask this for the chat. Bro, like, listen chat, to how much world. pop how many times have you listened to, 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 to Donda since it came out? That's a good question. Or, or when's the last time you listened to Donda since it came out? However, have you heard how much melody was in pop smoke, my guy? Have you heard? Okay, that pop smoke that was done after his he he he, he, he passed away is not good. Exactly. No, they I'm tried talking to the early too much too much melodic. No, no, no. But I'm it, talking even his early shit. I was listening to the Woo a lot because I didn't listen to Pop Smoke, and then he was fucking all over New York. And I know for a fact, young people fucks with him. And nah, dude, there was like melodies and shit all over it. I'm gonna say that yeah, I do think that to a degree, unfortunately, like young baby is really well respected and liked by young people. Not Lil Da Baby, but Lil Baby, Lil Baby, not the baby. You know right? Okay, that, so, that's okay. That, that that I understand. That's that's what they're into. Those kids are into that that fucking, you know. But when that you trap listen shit, that, that, to like, you know, that's the, it. It's at that level and that's it. And I'm not saying I fully understand what the little ones be into. Oh, yo, the baby's fire though. The baby's like, I mean, I like the baby's baby, cadence. The baby's another stupid idiot that's going downfall right now, especially what he's doing with his girlfriend right now or with his ex-girlfriend. I don't know about the ex-girlfriend thing. I know that the foul words that he used is going to do fucking nothing to his career. He's going to okay. be called past that. That, okay, no that, that was a bit past right now in the, the I past don't know couple what's happening. Days, he kicked out his baby moms from his crib and he fucking filmed it. Uh, and now he's calling his baby moms that he... He, she was a side chick and all that shit. While all along, she has videos of him saying, I love you. Yo, you're my girl. The no, baby's no, 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 wild. No. He's like loving hip hop. Pick oh. me up, please. I feel like all these people do all these shit just for fucking attention. They okay? do. And it's, sad. it's sad. It's not good, but. It's sad. I mean, I don't know if the baby soft as newborn shit. He literally shot a guy in a Walmart and killed him. I would argue the baby has, in fact, proven that he's willing to pull a trigger on a dude if it comes down to it. I don't know that if I go. Nothing, I'm not. I'm soft as newborn shit. Isn't willing to pull a gun on somebody in a Walmart broad day. Okay, I'm gonna say I'm soft as newborn shit by comparison. Musically, nah, he makes turn up music like, you know, like. Anyway. Like I'm not, I, like I I did a I did an album review for the guy and I'm kind of into that like swing sound of like the southern things the more repetitious shit like I'm just kind of into the vibe of that regardless of hip hop and I feel like he tops into that like cadences and shit of like that like I just fuck with it I really enjoy the sound of that uh, he he's made some shit that I was like okay super dope like yo that that uh, that freestyle he did at LA Leakers a couple years ago that was super ultra fire he's got tracks like. Like for for sure, like the baby before he was the baby, or before like he like I knew about the baby and I heard of his his freestyle. I was like, yo, this is the new guy that's gonna come out. Then he came out the way he did. I, like, I love the southern sound, man. I but here's the thing: I really like shit like those deep fucking Memphis tapes where they just fucking jack each other's bars and repeat it for like four minutes. 
I fucks with that shit though. Like I find that enjoyable AF to listen to because like it's like, it's like trolling on on the track. Yeah, but it's dope, man. It's like it's good. It, 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 it's not dope. What, what's dope about it? The vibe that you get. Okay, so I'm a vibe person when it comes to music in some ways because as an artist, I empathize with everything you're saying. As a person who occasionally likes to dibble and dabble with intoxicating and shit, bro, when you kind of like on some edibles, maybe a little whatever, you kind of fade it out there and you throwing out some wobble, 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 and you just kind of out there, headphones fucking on. When we used to hear like fucking like, you know, the, the, the like, chopping shit. Yeah. But to be fair, it's kind of in that vein of shit. It really does tap into that. Like I'm not saying it's the same, but that shit Outside. like really grow on me. And I really like, yo, I'm, I'm not saying it's my everyday, but on certain vibes though, like, yo, it slaps heavy. And when you really got to sit there and listen to it for a couple hours, cause somebody makes you do it on a fucking album of you, you like, appreciate it different and then i found myself being like now nah, when it comes on at a party oh my fucking god dude it's like literally one of my favorite sounds to listen to if i'm at a party is like 93 deep southern memphis mixtape shit <laughs> okay like i can't say it's like the best music but i'm saying there are times in my life and environments where i don't want anything else but that shit because it's fire to me and that's the thing about music, though. So it's like, yo, Wheel on the Bus goes round and round with the right with the right remakes will be a banger. And that's the thing. Some of my favorite songs, bro, I got a feeling Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I don't even give a shit, bro. It's still one of my favorite songs of all time. The fuck out of here, okay? Y'all hated on Rebecca Black for that shit, but Will I Am did it, and it's the number one song ever. <laughs> Yo, I need to use a washer, man. I'll be right back if you don't mind. Yo, I'm back. Um, what is that comment? I think it's hilarious. Both of y'all had to pee and were looking for stuff last second. Um, I'm like, <laughs> that's yeah, funny. that's that's what it is sometimes. I didn't do my normal pee routine ahead of time because I'm testing out new go live times. and The best live. shit are unexpected, right? Let's go. Yo, 17 people here on the real. This is my best stream in like a long time. So shout out all of y'all for real. I appreciate everybody. Big up everybody in the chat. This is the Twitch fucking lady. It makes me want to just fucking get rowdier. <laughs> but um, that's those. Are you drinking? Drinking nah, anything? I don't drink. Oh, well, I drink. Don't. Okay, I say I don't drink, but I got drunk for three days in a row in New York, and that wrecked me oh, for like cool. a week. But I'm here in New York. I'll not drink, man. I I usually always take a break. Um, between January really just... March. I don't drink a lot, but like, so it was my birthday, so we drank. Then the next day, we're in the pub. I'm like, okay, we're in a fucking pub in the Bronx. How often are you in a pub in the Bronx? You gotta fucking drink. <laughs> and then the other day, we weren't really gonna drink, but Poison Pen fucking walks into the bar at 12:30 in the fucking morning. So now we're drinking and smoking blunts with Poison Pen in a bar at like all until we left at like three in the morning. And again, went in fucking bed sty, fucking do y'all think. <laughs> Uh, um, but like, yeah, so I'm mostly a smoker, so I be chain smoking joints a lot on these interviews. So at this point, I am farther into it a little bit, though. I smoked some shatter right before this one, so I was a little loosier, goosier than I normally am. Um, I, I can't, smoke, uh, not that I can't, but I don't smoke in the house, so mm, I'm, I'm missing. I just, um, I 
don't know if I'm supposed to, but <laughs> I just like come in on my live with my girl and whatnot. But um, part of the like the live was this realization if I'm gonna migrate to Twitch, cause yo my her my whole like first like three four years of doing it even, I didn't smoke on cam cause it was illegal, and like corporate jobs so you don't really want to be fucking smoking blunts and shit and you know in such an obvious way while publicly having a job and shit. Then it got legal. And we moved to streaming, and I could tell that in long interviews, that lengthy, not, like, fucking smoking weed made me shittier by the end of it. Bro, the second I started smoking weed on cam, I feel like, saw the fucking problem, and all of my, like, entire situation with it got significantly more improved. I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing. But it's a factual thing for me, and y'all shouldn't try it if you can't handle smoking copious amounts of pot. It might not be for you. Yeah. No, no, it, it, it always depends on people. It's, you know, different circumstances for, for everybody, right? It's like me when like, I drink on stream because I definitely want to drink on stream, but it's because I know also that at some point that alcohol is going to, like, you know, enhance what the fuck I'm doing. So. See, I don't know if it, like, enhances... Well, it enhances me as an interviewer slash a fucking um, podcaster because I give a shit about letting you finish your sentences. Mm-hmm. And sober me might not... Okay, okay I'm 34. Yeah, I fucking learn how to do it. Corporate land you're teaches impatient. you. You're impatient when, when you're sober. I used to be king at, uh, like... When, when, you're, you're, when you're on something, you're 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 actually vibing instead of like, you know, being critiqued about your own show or whatnot. Hey, mm. No, it's not about now. I'm talking just up in my life, but it's more like, I guess it's just, I'm not as willing or I say was, cause I know for a fact that at this juncture in my life, weed isn't required. However, I definitely am more willing to sit in a chair for multiple hours on an end and talk to strangers on repeat stoned because it's kind of taxing in a different way sober, to be completely honest. Udra Nightshade, you can whisper me the link after, and I'm happy to follow through on that. I don't know when we're done. But like, Yo, Spectres81, bro, appreciate you being here, man. Yeah, and I fucks with all of y'all. Oh, to me, this is like, because to me, this is like blessing shits, right? Like... How I learn, I get high and I learn some shit and I get bored and I learn some shit. So, like, really, I just am more curious, I think, when I'm super stoned. And that includes about other people and yeah. sober me. It's not that I don't. I learned how to because of my day job. But, like, if I'm stoned, it's just natural looking. And when I'm stoned, when I'm sober, like, yo, if I don't really give a shit about you, it's going to be way more transparent. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> Um, that's just the truth of the situation. But then it's like, I'm more willing to be like, say fucking word if I'm like stupid high. So it's like, that's good for TV and shit. That's what Nori does. <laughs> Let's be fucking real. You're incredible, my guy. Bro, I stole everything from Nori. I was like, wait a second. I can just tell people but they're fired and they'll talk to Nori, me. Though, before, before Nori having his podcast, I knew that Nori needed to do that. And I was calling it. Because I was seeing some interviews with him and just because I knew from even like growing up as a kid in, in the, the hip hop world, I like I knew that Nori knew everybody and Nori was cool with everybody. So I'm like, yo, this guy in the future, he's going to have some of the wildest fucking stories 
about hip hop that nobody knows about. And I was telling myself, I'm like, yo, this guy needs to have a show. We need to protect this guy. This guy needs to be on a network or something. And then boom, drink chats got created. And I was like, holy fuck. It's what I've been saying Man. all my fucking life. But the premise of drink champs is the most brilliant shit. Like, I feel like Joe Rogan proved you could do a five hour show with your boys. You're like, there's nothing better. Look what we're doing. Well, what I'm doing right now, I'm drinking beer and I'm telling hip hop stories. You do that amongst fucking hip hop pioneers. It's fucking gold, bro. <laughs> but like, it's also the nature of getting these people who have such tenured careers who are probably no longer living this party life and bringing them almost back to an environment where psychologically, like, hey. you can, like, look at the situation and be like, nah, say a word. I bet they was in a lot of rooms like that back in the day. You know, like, the way it's designed sure. is perfect. And then um, you basically get all these people yo joe rogan's podcast is super hard for me to watch now man like this guy's like kind of fucking out there sometimes like he acts like he isn't like a fucking commander of a giant. like he ignores his responsibility as a person in his position way too much for profit and that bugs me not in a good way however he proved that lengthy podcast is a good idea and then i think that with drink champs you learn that giving people credit for their accomplishments is a good idea and then both those things together got me here because really all i want to do is hear about your life so i can find your accomplishments and i'm like a lot of people i don't give a fuck if you're a legend because who the fuck am i right <laughs> we're all like up in this shit. um well ismail ismail you were there for that episode man that was fucking crazy <laughs> Yo, Ismail is the reason I know who a lot of people is. Like y'all think that sometimes the rappers be cool, but rappers isn't cool. I don't mean that disrespectfully to the rappers who are cool, but like I'll take a hundred Ismails to any talented rapper any day of the week. Cause Ismail holds shit down. Udra Nightshade, she'd be like a Ismail too. Fucking big <laughs> respect to her. I mean, you don't know what that means yet, but like you'll probably figure it out. I mean, say a word. It's a fucking sort of truth next to her name. Say a fucking word. That's fire shit. Um, but like, yeah, I just fucks with that community shit. Like, I mean, me and Willie, we be out there with our fucking egos and our talkity talks. But without Ismails and Golden Jennies and all these people who like come through to me, it's like they be the motherfuckers that like really create a community. Cause like, it's like honestly. I, I like the fact that sometimes people want to come through and they're like, I'm not also a rapper. That is more exciting for me. Like my favorite interviews are like these ones where I get to like watch you put your finger on the side of a turntable <laughs> and be like, say word, that's some teacher shit. Yo, to be honest with you, bro, I didn't even know you were a rapper until like later on. That's because fucking interviewer. And then I heard then I don't know what was it, but and I was like, oh, shit, he raps too. God, God damn. I mean, at a certain point, you're like, I'm 33 at the time. My birthday just passed, unfortunately. Um, but, like, everybody's a rapper in my circle. It's not even a flex to be a rapper. I know so no, many people who can freestyle in my face for four hours that Harry and Mack isn't that. even talented by comparison to some of the dudes I know. No offense, because if it's people here, they'd be, like, standing hard and I don't want to be burning bridges. But, like... Like, I just know dudes in real life that are that good, okay? Like, But see, just because you're able to freestyle or just because you're able to come up with words faster than, than, than an average person doesn't mean that you're a good rapper or doesn't mean that you can make it in the hip-hop game. 
But it then, just means that you're facts. able to do what you do. It, it just means that you're able to do what you do. And like, it's honestly, sort of, I felt like, it. so here's what happened for me. I read uh, in 2018, I read KRS-One's The Gospel of Hip Hop. And that guy said, give back to your community for three years and you will never have to suffer again. And I thought that was pretty good advice. Y'all watch. I really put that into play around 2019. Me before getting before going or thinking of of doing a a, a a a club gig or something like that, I was like, no man, I need at least two years of working on my own craft without anybody knowing, and then once I'm comfortable, then I'll fucking throw my shit out. I mean, but until then, if I don't have at least two years of experience, but like the know. thing is, is like I've been performing for so long, right? Like I performed 2012 to 2016 pretty heavy. Um, I got lucky, okay? Like I got set up because my homeboy knew this dude bookworm next thing you know they liked my reverb nation or whatever the fuck it was and i did this set i crushed that shit okay Is like reverb session i remember reverb session reverb nation like the fucking oh, reverb nation. SMM, right. yeah. yeah it was like a website and stuff yeah it was like, like soundcloud before like around when soundcloud was starting Whoa. and they had that ranking page and shit so I was like in doing that wow. shit, like early intern, like it wasn't even early. I should have been around for a long time. But it was 2012. I did this show. Motherfuckers sang my hook and shit. We got it on fucking camera. And like after that, it was kind of a wrap, right? Like if you come fucking on your first performance, open a show and steal it in front of 85 people in this dingy fucking CFC bar with the curved fucking Sealy. Like, it kind of had a little local buzz for a minute where I kept getting invited to shit. So for about four years, I never had to try to get booked to a thing. And then one day it just stopped. And I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know what happened there. So I, I realized a few things along the journey. And one of the things that happened for me was the Macklemore situation with his second project and how weird it got received. And I started caring more about like the culture and I didn't know fuck all about it because I was a white dude who rapped. I wasn't like at all hip hop. In fact, my first project is called Is This Hip Hop? Like, you know, for a long time, my shit was slash HSR is not hip hop. Like, I ain't even fronting. Like, you could argue for a quick minute. I'm that vulture that none of y'all like. So then I went ahead and got my fucking education on via the album reviews. And I did that for a long ass time. And I got my ass handed to me. So what what was your first hip hop like group that you actually like got into and and was like I mean I fucked with like rap. So like for me it wasn't like I didn't understand even now it's hard for me to answer that. Like I was listening to DMX when I was 12 cuz I went to Wager and shit and it was just like around me. It's a black high school in case people DMX don't know. played a huge part of my life. And then Eminem comes off, so white boys be doing it too. But, like, if you were to ask me what rappers I was bumping back in the day, like, when I started rapping, it's, like, fucking Sage Francis. It's fucking MGK. It's, like, the white boys. I was listening to the white boys back then. So I wasn't really, like, I was more, like, fuck all of y'all. I'm that middle-class dude that doesn't do crime type shit. I literally have a bar bragging about having a job on my first project. Like, it's, it's it was corny a little bit now looking back, right? Because I didn't... But, like, I don't know shit about shit. I don't understand systemic anythings. I don't understand all those things I learned about over the last, like, five years of my life and whatnot. But, like, so I did album reviews because I figured, look, I don't know shit. This is a culture... At least I can publicly learn this shit. So y'all can go watch my whole fucking journey if you want. It's all still there. 
youtube.com slash behind that suit the companion to this shit boom but like uh, so that's where this interview gonna get dropped after that's another little pluggy poo dead celebrity status was big for me in fucking high school like i fucking heard that we And that shit fucking slapped so hard. I knew the whole album by heart because it wasn't like just Eminem for me. Eminem was like an option amongst a lot of people. And then like later on, Eminem became like the dude when I was a little bit older. And like, I don't know, man. I think I liked DMX more like back then. I really like fucking DMX. Yeah, big time. But, just... but I mean, Slim Shady did like some crazy shit too. But yeah, no, DMX. No, but DMX's like... delivery... Back not then? just that but his topic storytelling like, that's that's what i'm telling you like dmx played a big part of me growing up and like defeat like making the difference of like friends girlfriends and stuff and real life and shit that you you yourself go through in real life yo like dx dmx like was was that realization for me i was like oh shit like because i had a bad breakup around that time and I was like listening to to DMX and like the most like obscure like I would like go into my room, blast the fucking speakers, turn off all the lights, and just like listen to DMX fucking loud in my like, room. So, but I mean, Bruh. I got this skewed experience though because I went to Wigger, so like I mean, I knew what Dipset was back then. I knew what a lot of things were, but I was like hearing songs because my parents never let me cop albums that like had cuss words on them so good luck trying to fucking buy a rap album back then one time my dad heard that i had the uncensored eight mile soundtrack and he snapped my fucking cd collection okay snap my cd collection oh my parents weren't my parents weren't super great in english so what i was listening to it was going in one year (laughs) so they weren't catching the bad words or anything like that Mm. so so I it ended up to... being like I think Lincoln Park possibly like for Lincoln Park to me was like the greatest thing to happen to music and I would die on that hill to this day. Like if I had to pick some shit for an island, it's Lincoln Park. Cause if I had could I don't even fucking care. It's my favorites. Y'all can hate if you want. I'm a guy who loves new metal though. Cause you gotta keep in mind, I'm twelve years old and Limp Biscuit, Lincoln Park, and Corn are the kings of the world. Y'all might Corn. hate it. But like to me, it's my introduction. But it was Limp my Biscuit introduction to me. Limp Bizkit's fantastic, bro. There's nothing like super me. dope. But yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Like uh, Fred Durst was dope. Like you know, and like, I, he got I like some cosigns nobody want to admit were fire. Okay, like I got introduced to DMX, <laughs> Method Man, and Red Man. Not just because of whatever, but like that Limp Bizkit track, in like that album introduced me to some fucking people, right? Like exhibits on the album too, if I'm not mistaken. You think I would have heard exhibit if it wasn't for Limp Biscuit? I uh, see me exhibit fucking ninety ninety seven ninety eight paparazzi man. Um, Damien is a fucking beautiful series. All the Damien's Rage yeah. Against the Machine is fire, but like in two thousand, I don't know that they were as fire. They were. I was in the middle of their breakup, and like I'm kind of young yeah. for them at that point. Like let's be real, they were like hot, but like only if you were into that shit, and I was not into that shit. I, I you wanted knew, to you bump knew. Sean Paul. <laughs> no, but that's what it is, bro. I all that pop music. Yeah, shout like, to Sophia. Sophia, what up? Yo, what up, Sophia? I don't know who Sophia is, but shout no, her out. Then on the background. Yeah, shout her out. 
But yo, um, shout out all of you. Limp Bizkit first album. I'm sorry, but Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water is full of bangers to this fucking day. I don't even care what anyone <laughs> says, sure. bro. When I listen to my generation, that shit slaps. There you go. Paparazzi was 96, man. 96, mm. you sure? Oh, yeah. He does say even at the beginning of the song, 96. It's a functional new era. Two Live Crew, bro. I respect Two Live Crew because all of the impact and shit, but I can't get into their music that much. If, I have a little bit if, of trouble with it. If it wasn't for Two Live Crew, we wouldn't we wouldn't be cursing on tracks. I agree with you. And so I have all love for it. Plus, I would love I would do anything to go back in time and watch a 1990-something Two Live Crew fucking show live in concert. Well, I would, YouTube that shit. You'll find that. No, I want to be there, though. Cause that looks oh. wild. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to be at the show. Tribe Called Quest is amazing. What's um? I was what's like, your? Sorry, I got a question. What's what's your what's the era that you would want to go back and experience? Like so, for example, like so. Nah, I, I hear mean, you. Like, I'm trying to think about it. Seventies disco era, eighties. Like if I have like all the history, and I'm being real objective, like. I have to answer a couple of ones because I can't just pick one. For one, I would love to go to like Harlem 1930s, 20s era. That era looks fire. Yeah, a little bit later. Yeah, be a, a little bit everyone's later. Everyone's on cocaine and weed back then. And yeah. while I don't know how I feel about coke now, I'd probably love coke then. And it really looks like a good vibe. Um, Y'all be looking at that shit. Just remember, everybody's on speed and cocaine back then. Okay, like, don't be playing like they were fucking sober when they judge you now. It was diet pills. Psh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but that's that's facts, yo. You go listen to some of this shit. You're, we're not allowed to do the drugs people used to do to make the music that y'all fucked with. That's all I'm saying. So, but, like, But also, the drugs weren't the same. They were on speed in the 50s and 60s. So when they'd be doing yeah, their eight-hour oh. rock sets fucking wrecked on speed. What? What? I, I mean, it wasn't the same. Like, it wasn't as, not necessarily as potent, or it was more clean, or anything like, compared to the bullshit that there is now. But effectively, they could eat the shit like candy because they sold it at the yeah. depth. And so, yeah, for sure. I'm just trying to be like, let's have some context for some of the errors. But yo, that that like 1920s era looks wild. Like the racism and shit aside, it looks really fucking wild from a musical live show perspective. The way that like the live event would have been done due to the cocktail of narcotics these people fucking shot back and played crazy jazz fusion music in the middle of clubs to a bunch of fucking mix of people integrating for like one of the first times in history in like a social way as generations collide that would be fucking wild otherwise i think this is the best fucking era to be a rock star in and i would rather be a rock star now because nda is fucking wild yeah really I mean, just a bit of that 1970s shit, but you can just do that now. So, like, I don't know why people wild out. You can have, like, six girls in the back room if you don't rape anybody. So, like, like I don't really know what the issue is. It's just that most people lie to everybody. So, like, nah, like, you can just do some wild shit now. Plus, I would know things are, like, wildly what they are, like. I heard some stories back then, man. My dad, like, brags about, like, fucking going bareback with every second girl he fucked back then. I'm like, I don't know if that's the era I really want to go be. Like, it's the era I can fetishize until you really think about the logistics of that era. And it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's really it for me. And then the 90s is, I'm not tough like that. So it doesn't actually sound that appealing. <laughs> like, yo, to be a soft rapper? Fuck. This is the best era for it. 
Oh, the, well, yeah. To be like emo, emo type of artist. Bro, I've, been a, yeah. I've been, I mean, I'm not going to call myself an emo general, artist, but, yeah. but uh, yeah, I basically made emo rap since 2012. Everything's acceptable now. Everything's acceptable. Like, yeah, come out. Bro, as I used a, to rap at gangsters and they would just fucking dead ass stare at me like, what the fuck is happening here? Yeah, because they wouldn't understand. They're like, and I what didn't the fuck understand what the fuck they like. Because I would watch them go on stage after and I'd be like, this is baffling. Ironically, now I think I could do some shit they fuck with, and I fuck with what they do so heavy. Yeah, it would definitely, it would definitely be either the 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 '60s or the '70s that I would love to come back and experience that music from mm, them, like full on acid trip shit. Because especially for 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 Latin music, like in New York and in the Bronx and all that shit, like for for Latin music, it was like you know groundbreaking. Okay, and yeah. Especially with the fusion of like Latin jazz and all that shit. Like, yo, like being high, like I could just imagine myself being high and listening and taking in all those 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 tracks or those that music that was created then. Oh, I would just love that shit, man. To be mm-hmm. in those shoes back then. My man's is Puerto Rican from the Bronx. He's who I went down to go see. So he's told me a whole lot of what you're describing. And I could appreciate what you're coming from. That is a vibe that like would be wild. Some real good romancy shit too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well for sure. You know, us Latin Latin people we're definitely on the uh, we're very um, we're very uh like um open when it comes to like, you know, either loving things or being like, you know, being able to express our love for you know, either another person or for music, we were very expressive like that at the time from them. I mean, but, don't get uh, me wrong. It sounds like like I'd want to kid, like I'd want to pop in in a time machine and hang out for a day, but like I would rather be like in the twenties and shit because that shit is like so low key that you can really like right. live in uh, a way that is different. Just it would be too too early into the the the, the evolution of the music of me. So. You know, in the if I would be in the '60s or, or the '70s, I would be able to still go back and revisit what the years that you're talking about. Mm. But I feel like it, for me, it's more like it's not just the, it's not just the like sound. It's the rooms that they performed in, the the culture that existed at the time, the way people lived, the the way drug dealing happened, like the all of it. The, the, there's like a romantic mystique in my head about it, like. Yo, imagine being at this fucking speakeasy while fucking Malcolm X rolls through and shit, you know? Like, this is some wild times to think about and how amazing the culture is and how much history gets born there and whatnot. I don't know. The lower end of shit is wild to me. Like, some of my favorite performances are at Death House more than anything else because it's just that low-end grunge vibe or that lower end. That shit's so fucking... Pac-2, everybody was rolling through and it was all hidden right especially in the speakeasy era bro i don't know i fetishize that secret bar shit a little bit it just sounds like you literally have to be in the know or you're a fucking square you i'd rather be a hipster than a square back then because if y'all know they was the actual hipsters was those people yeah that's right the term has existed since the fucking 20s everyone (laughs) i don't know if you guys etymology like that Yeah. Yo, cheers, y'all, man. If y'all drinking in the chat room right now, cheers to y'all. Yo, shout out all of y'all. Did you ever listen to punk rock? I showed you. I shout out Spectres too. Um. Well, I, I, I can't say that I was like you know, uh, 
a huge punk rock fan, but yeah, I definitely listened to some in our in our high school era. You know, there was a you know because because here's the thing too, like me growing up in high school, I was like the type of dude that was cool with everybody. So you know, at the same time that yeah, I was this big hip hop dude, this rap dude, whatever. Growing up, I was still cool with like you know the people, the alternative people, the people that would listen to other music punk rock music or whatever you know i was still cool with them and i would still be intrigued because the thing too is that i kind of i would low-key listen to their music too when i was at home or something because of my sister so mm. i knew what their vibe was or, or whatever and and that's another thing that i keep on saying about myself growing up is that i i'm, I'm always been able to adapt myself in different in different crews or different different people so if you, like I'm sure my man, my man uh, Spexter knows, like he knew that I was cool with a bunch of different people. So, so yeah, there was at some point that I was. Yo, cool according to Spectre, is pretty much the entire region fucking loves you. I've been watching him shout yeah. out and specific was, things. Like, That's <laughs> till right now. I don't even know who that dude is. I have no idea. Why could, is he dropping? Could all even these be a she, yo. I got in trouble one time because I miss. I, I the they is the safe <laughs> on the Twitch, but probably I don't know. He, she, they, whatever's. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, man. Shout out to Spectres, man. He seemed that that person seems to know a lot about my 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 upcomings. And that's really great. They enhanced the fuck out of this interview. I want you to know you the MVP sure. still, Spectres. You're my favorite one in the chat today. That's not my girlfriend. Um, Willie wants to know, other than hip hop, what is your go-to genre? Oh, okay. Well, see, so 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 yes, I am a hip hop head till I fucking die. I eat shit sleep breathe hip-hop so hell yeah uh but definitely my second genre or what's even i would say as equal as hip-hop it's salsa man i'm a i'm a you know i grew up listening to salsa because of my dad and and you know salsa right now especially since twitch i i got i got close to salsa because of that you know i was i was I, I started making that that show with Grouch and 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 uh, and Casalimas because we are three DJs that love salsa music and we all seem to love the same type of salsa. So when we got we got doing that show, every show I would like dig up records and stuff like that that I used to remember from back then. So it's like even to this day, right now, it's still a learning process. Every Wepa Wednesday, I I put some time and fucking start digging into some shit that either i don't remember no more or that i even actually didn't know that i'm discovering till this day so right now salsa has taken a lot of like uh a lot of time from my process of of going to music and stuff like that so yeah 100 man i'm a hip-hop and salsa fucking dude fucks with that ismail has two questions and i saw your other one is but really highlighted it so i felt like the points had to count for something <laughs> um but Ismail wants to know two things. One, is you in touch with the Peruvian hip-hop scene at all? And who is the biggest salsa artist nowadays? Olive, with your expert opinion, good sir. Well, uh, unfortunately, I am not uh, that much into, like, I'm not very knowledgeable of, like, the hip-hop scene in Peru. I know there is one, but it's more like a, uh, I would say it's more like a freestyle type of uh, scene that there is right now. You know, I wouldn't say that there's an actual, like, hip-hop scene like us, for example, back in the days. Um, but it's definitely all about the battle right now. And, and I don't know if you guys know, but, like, Red Bull has been holding down these like these huge 
And when I mean huge, guys, I mean huge, like, rap battles that are going down in South America. And it's, like, super disciplined. And and I'll probably, I'll send you a link or something. I saw these, like, I saw this a couple, like, probably two or three years ago. It blew my mind how it was discipline and how how it was it was literally a red bull you know how how red bull has their uh b-boy competition in, in france kind of i mean i can pick when you, know, you say red bull i picture fancy and high scale so don't get me wrong well, well that's what i'm saying it is it is like that so it is fancy and high like, scale. I, I picture well, tech nine more than i picture not tech nine <laughs> with like the okay, live but, show yeah but no but okay but it's just just to let you know is that these kids only know that and and they and so so it's super organized. It's like a, a legit battle. Yeah, you that have explains like, the fucking kids in the park that be Spanish that be doing this shit for like hours on bro, end, bro. And they go in, they go ham, and it's fucking crazy. And what what I'm trying to tell you is like how how disciplined it is. It's like even it's so disciplined that even the crowd participates. Like so, every time there's a beat, there'll be like a generic beat. They'll be like, oh shit, a generic boom bap beat. A typical fucking uh, drum pattern beat, whatever. And then there'll be, okay, double time. Then there'll be a trap beat, a super generic trap beat, but super dope. Like it actually fucking bangs. And these guys are fucking freestyling. They're keeping like their 30 second limits and everything. And it's well organized. As soon as the 30 seconds ends, the other dude comes in and then boom. And then at some time they'll, they'll, they'll cut in, they'll cut off their bars and they'll go back and forward. Yo, Bro, I'm telling you, like it's it it looks scripted, but it's not. It's all like, yeah, they know what what their 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 uh, their times are, but they all respect it. It's not like you know when you see a smack DVD or whatever, they'll go over the time and they'll talk over whatever. Nobody listens. Nah, man, this is like, oh shit, somebody fucked up their line or they, they can't. Yo, the crowd will try to pump them up again, and then he'll restart, and then. He'll, he'll have his and then you you'll see the crowd saying like one two three go and then the dude will start rapping like yo bro it's beyond amazing yeah i wasn't expecting you to go there with that but that's wild stills um... but yo but and what i'm telling you like these are big competitions they're like international competitions so they go in each and every country and it's as big on each and every country look it up man it's it's a it's a um Nah, I mean, I'm going to check. I'm sure it's going to be easy to find Red Bull Rap Battle Latin America. Boom, go, done. YouTube's going to have a million fucking videos. Waves and waves. But the thing is, is I was watching them do this in a circle. And the one thing I noticed was how that it was. It was like they were training to pass it every four bars perfectly. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Or like they had an exact time. And I thought it was super like interesting. All of it. Cause it's not what I'm accustomed to and I'm not into it that much as like a spectator. Like I would watch it more to see what you're talking about more than like, I know that somebody said battling on beats needs to come back. Well, I'm going to be real. I much prefer battling no beats. I love the theater of that shit. Yes. And my, no, because... But that's my preference, but it's not about hip hop there. It's about bro. As a writer, this is what I'm a writer before I know this other shit. And as a writer, bro, that shit's yeah. But 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 you can't just freely write shit and not make it. No, there's more. Know. But no, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to the delivery. There's a lot to how they do it. And with the acapella, the spacing, the timing, the playing, the crowd, the way they work the crowd and shit, super fucking important. Um, 
All right, there were some other questions, but I just think I like that better than the beat one. That's my preference. I understand that it originates on beat battles and shit, and I get it. Uh, Willie wants to know if you still dig for records, or is it all MP3s these days? 100%. I still dig for records as soon as I get a chance, like when I'm out of town or when, when you know, I go to Toronto or when I go to uh, to Ottawa or whatever, I'll, I'll find myself into a record store and, and look for things that, uh, you know, because... At the end of the day, yes, I'm still a music collector. Um, yes, I would still drop a beat or make a beat if ever I find the perfect sample type of thing, you know. So yes, I always like you know my mind is always always grab gravitates to that. So wherever I'm at, if I find something that oh shit I never knew about this, and then I'll dig to it, and then I'll be like I'll be able to use this for something else or whatever. So yeah, like I'm always my mind is always thinking about music. So so yeah, uh, I. Yes, I definitely dig into uh, still into vinyls or whatever. Even shit that I'll dig digitally and then I'll try to find it. Yo, but here's the either, thing. Like, uh, sorry, I'm just watching the chat. With the, the rapping, like, to y'all, it's really fun, I'm sure. But to me, I find half the bars I hear. Because, yo, I watch a lot of these Facebook rap battles now. And I'm sure these guys is writers. And nine times out of ten, this shit's boring as fuck to me. Like, I never want to listen to it again. That's the thing sure. about it. Whereas the theatrical shit and the way that they come with the bars and the acapellas, at least the one-liners that slap, like fucking slap, like they're quotables and shit. I don't get that with the beat shit. Like maybe in Spanish, maybe in, other things. in English, well, maybe, nah. There's, there's too much going on. You know, you got to you got to make sure that the dude is rapping on beat. You got to make sure that it. So there's a lot of things to process so like, when when you're listening. With a beat, but like, but, I, but it's also my preference though, because like I'm like sure. I had to learn how to simplify my writing for music. Like I'm one of those dudes who had to learn how to like not be so over the top with it, because nobody wants to listen to that shit type thing. Nah, it's Twitch. The half the reason I'm on Twitch with this is so y'all can fucking make tangents. Because you think I'm that fucking creative to keep it going this long without y'all? Are you bad? <laughs> Yeah, I'm one more time. Nah, you run your shit. I'll hold that, it down I with y'all. I opened the, the, the gates. Nah, I hear you. Uh, I, I, for uh, me, it's just water. So thankfully, the gates are not quite open in the same way. <laughs> I think I'm fucked for, 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 the next, for the rest of the night. But hold up, man, guys. I'll be right back. We got you, um, man. You're wonderful. Yo, if you want to me, um, my homie, fucking, uh, what's his name? D, uh, DJ Eddie King or comedian Eddie King challenged me on that last year. I was like, all right, motherfucker, I'll do this. So the point was to remake the scratchings of DJ Premier of a, of your favorite Premier song, and I chose that one. Dope. I mean, they, I liked it. I mean, okay, like, I have no fucking idea how good you are relative to another scratch person. Because, like... <laughs> oh, I, I definitely suck. <clears throat> but, <laughs> like, if... If, if you if were to like scratch, say scratch like is that dope for me to listen to? That was dope for me to listen to. Word. Um, yo, but uh there were questions in there. Are you cool with DJ Manifest was a question. I don't know if there's context for that. Yo, Manny, Manny is my man, and ever since like so I've known Manny for, for a while, right? Because we had like a bunch of like uh mutual friends. And then at some point when I was like, you know, starting up in uh, as a DJ here, so I would go to to clubs and like, you know, pay, pay, uh, pay my respects or like support the, the, the local DJ scene. So I would see I would go often to go see uh, Manifest because Manny, you know, is a real hip hop head. And 
I would go to his night. So yeah, eventually me and Manny became, you know, super cool. And because we have like mutual friends and ever since the pandemic, we got, we started talking a bit more and we've been saying that, yo, we got to do something together soon. So manifest and easy LD will be working on something fairly soon, man. Yeah. It's big news. I mean, I know what DJ manifest is because I've talked to people who have told me this is a name I must know. And I believe yeah. we're now Facebook friends. Okay. <laughs> That's a thing nowadays, right? We're Facebook friends, yes. I mean, it might not be a thing for y'all, but if you're over the age of 27, oh, of it's 100% a thing for y'all. If you're under the you age of 27, you're like, did he just say what I think he said? Yeah, baby. I'm old like that. But I think he just showed up, or he was already in my Facebook friends. I don't really know because I add people if they have, like, here's what happens. I get the friend request, and it's like 237 mutual friends. And they're all Montreal rap related. Yeah. I'm probably going to fucking add this person, and they should probably know me. And like, it's a pretty good vetting process at this point with how many of the people know each other here. But, um, Okay, so with your career, right? So you start doing your DJ thing for a minute. How do you get like linked up with Under Pressure? Well, like I said, I was, I was, I've been going to Under Pressure as a, as a, you know, as a fan since, since I was a kid. Mm. So I only knew Under Pressure and growing up, you know, I met the right people and the, the, you know, I was always in the circle of, of, of the people who were organizing and everything. And then once I started DJing and I was like, okay, I think I want to fuck with, with, uh, with under pressure, you know, I was able to go see the person directly and say, yo, you know, I would love to, to play for y'all and whatever. And it's like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, say less, like, you know, again, it was because they already trusted me or they knew who I was or my entourage or whatnot. And then I was like, yeah. So they got me in. And once I did it, you know, every year they kept on inviting me again. So. Uh, Anytime with under pressure, yo. Like pressure under pressure is my family, man. I fucks with them. They were cool. I got one of those under pressure twenty five masks that not many people got. Yo, Ismail, first uh, under pressure edition I probably went to was probably in the um early two thousands, so probably maybe two thousand three, two thousand four. Um fuck. I can't even remember what was the lineup like or anything like that. But yeah, like, cause, cause again, growing up, I, I grew up with a lot of yeah, b-boys so. too. So we would come down to, to under pressure just for the b-boy battles and shit. So, and you know, once you're on the under pressure, you go see everything. You go see the graffiti artists and there's a show at the Fufuna de Trick. And then, you know, you got everybody fucking freestyling outside, drinking outside in the streets. Yo, it's straight hip hop. Like, you know, if you want to get, get known into the like hip hop life or whatever, you go to under pressure. Easy. Fair. Unfortunately for me, the only time I got to know Under Pressure, I was told to show up at Fafoons, nobody's allowed in the venue, and (laughs) 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 here's a mask that nobody else can have, and I'm like, I... Yeah, Fafoon has always been interesting, man. But shouts to Fafoon, though, because they've they've they hosted fucking Under Pressure for so many fucking years. And they did it through COVID, right? And that's what's really cool. I watched your stream when you were doing your... Yeah, we did it, we did it. COVID, we they were yeah that was that I thought that was super cool that they opened the venue just for us to be able to DJ there and we were able to stream it super dope yeah it was really great I watched you do that live this year 
I was like, hmm, I should watch him. And then you and the other dude, Overflow, were back to back. Overflow. And I'm like, I got. Ever, uh, interviewed Overflow? I did. I had his interview lined up, right? And then you you were on right before him. So I'm like, well, I mean, I may as well. Oh, that's know- Overflow. Overflow too. Overflow is like one of um, one of the first DJs that gave me like a, a platform to come DJ with because he was um, he was DJing at Sharks. Uh, Say you know, a word. When was he yeah. doing that? Like what years? This is this is early. Like this is when I was starting up uh, DJing. So this is probably like uh, 2000, 2011 to, Yeah, two thousand eleven. I fucking maybe? swear he might have like been the DJ at one of my fucking office parties. Yo, so anyway, so so that's what I'm saying. And and when when I was starting as DJ, you know, I was looking up. Uh, for DJs in in the scene and and I I stumbled up on uh, on him and then saw his videos and I was like yo shit this is no DJ then I I, I heard his mixtapes and then whatever I reached out and uh, I sent him some stuff that I made some couple mixtapes he's like yo you're dope and 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 then he invited me to come DJ with him at uh, at Sharks so I was like all right cool dope we did it we fucking had super fun we fucking had chemistry on the wheels and stuff on the wheels and then eventually he started uh, asking me to replace him and then eventually it landed Shit, me maybe you uh, were the dj a residency, at my office party a residency there and then i started djing there on on fridays i, I had the a, 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 um a night called sharknado sharknado fridays <laughs> i fucking have been to that shit we did that Bro, shit a hundred percent Back when I was in the early call center days, one of the bosses had a $250 budget to take us drinking every fucking month as an incentive to work there. And we, at some point, ended up at the Sharknado shit, because you don't forget that shit when you hear it. <laughs> and we like sharks for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's the pool hall. Yo, what? It, it was a pool hall. You could play fucking uh, bowling, too. And yeah, fucking right. shoot balls. And it had a bunch of, like, Nice yeah. shit too. If you wanted to be fancy, yeah, bro, like, it was. Super it's dope. like you could be like the grungiest, whatever, but then all of a sudden there'd be bougie shit happening just like ten feet away. Yeah, nah, that was some good times. So you were doing the sharks residency. That's wild, man. That's like an yeah, era man. of life, bro. So again, once again, shouts to fucking Overflow, man. He hooked it up with that, and to me, that was like my my one of my first like you know reoccurring gigs in Montreal because back then I was still in Ottawa. Because so so here's this thing, right? So as I was coming up as a DJ, I wasn't getting a lot of gigs here in Montreal at, at first because I didn't know nobody. Not that I didn't know nobody, but I wasn't. I, for the people that I knew, I wasn't going to get and ask them, yo, put me on, put me on, put me on. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not that type of dude. So, so like what I was getting in Ottawa was keeping me busy. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, this is Ottawa because I already know these people. I grew up in Ottawa. So that's why I'm, I'm getting gigs there. But my goal was to conquer fucking Montreal. And then, like I said, it started out with fucking uh, Overflow that hooked me up with that. And then I was with that, I was able to flood the, the social medias and flood uh, Facebook and all that and be like, yo, I'm playing here, I'm playing here. And, you know, I kept a, a buzz going. I see how myself. Blaster does it today. I see how Blaster be. <laughs> yo, Blaster, Blaster's a dude, you know, but Blaster also, Blaster is an OG, triple OG. Blaster was doing them parties that weren't promoted and you knew it was fucking bumping. You know, because it was fucking blaster. Fair. 
Yeah, yeah, no, no. There's some dudes in the city that obviously carried their own name throughout the, you know, the times that there was no social media, and then once they got into social media, boom, they were able to to blossom normally because they were they've been putting work in the city. You know, I know about DJ Blasters. He taught me that the twerk emojis are not for men. Men have no interest <laughs> in the twerk emojis. We don't need it. It was for women. Women like throwing twerk emojis. And I That's did the not. DJ Blaster, man. DJ Blaster is the fucking G. Oh, I had no fuck. And then I'm in his, I'm on his stream sometimes. Rarely because it's lunchtime when I'm at work. So it's a bad time for me. But and I'm watching women turn up digitally with emotes. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> That's wild. And I had to like sit there and like but, think about that for 10 minutes because it was baffling to like really click. <laughs> Blaster Blaster also was another guy that gave me a chance too. Um at uh, at fucking Blue Dog. He was there on uh I think it, it was Wednesdays, right? So I would always go show some love, you know. And then eventually I was like, "Yo, I would love to play alongside with you." And then, you know, eventually it happened. He's like, "Yo, you want to come through and play?" I'm like, fucking right let's do it you know and then build a relationship with that too yeah i mean that seems to be the move go show love and when you show love the motherfuckers like i don't even i dude ismail told me to raid you i had no fucking idea who you were i didn't like it made no difference to me who i was and what was it was it was it a hip was it was it a rap tape thursday i think that you guys rated or i rated you so many fucking times honestly because for a while you would just be the only guy live at the time that I knew. So I was like, well, I know EZLD's in Montreal. I should probably fucking read. And, and, it just, and then Audiophile was another one that for a minute, he'd just be fucking live. And that was it. That was the requirement to getting raided. I'd heard of you. And that was enough. And then and then Ismail just does that shit. He'll like, I'm the, so I added the fucking guide the raid thing. And then people bring me to places. But prior to Guide the Raid, Ismail was Guide the Raid. And then EZLD was the only guy on his stream at 10 something PM when I would finish my interviews when they went late. And my cipher when it went. I think it was mostly the cipher on Tuesdays, actually. When I would go, like, because we ended at 10 30. And you'd be like the only guy regularly live at that time. Yeah. Well, yeah. So if it was on Tuesdays, it was probably during the El Sasson. So yeah, I do El Sasson every single Tuesday. And yeah. it goes from fucking 8 p.m. till fucking 2, 3 a.m., whatever the fuck I decided to. <laughs> Yo, what's up, DJ Crystal Clear? You can try to interrupt. I'm going to not be like that willing to interrupt. He's going to try and say some shit. It's going to be wild. Whatever he says is wild. Just just know that he's doing it on purpose and, my, you know, he's having fun with it. Um, But, like... Nah, so you're doing that. And then one of the questions that got asked earlier that I felt like, so you're doing your takeover, a blaster hooks you up, and I guess you just kind of just, it cascades. What are some of the, like, highlights of all this then? I know you name-dropped some celebrities before, so we can include those in highlights. But, like... Okay. Well, okay, so here in Montreal, so, okay, so, yeah, I gave, I gave my props to to um, to Overflow and uh, and Blaster, obviously, but the main, the main guy that had, like, a main role as for me making it here in Montreal or, or starting up, it's got to be Godfather D. I don't know if you ever heard of Godfather D. He also goes by the name of, uh, well, his alter ego, Don Barbarino. So he's a, he's a huge um, 
hip hop DJ, obviously. But when he goes with Don Barberino, he he does uh, house. Um, so so pretty much, um, Godfather D is a fucking like a fucking OG triple OG here in the city. I used to come. So before I moved to Montreal, I used to come to Montreal to celebrate my birthday, and I would bring a whole squad from from Gatineau. Uh, to Montreal, we would rent like two fucking hotel rooms, one next to each other, and we would fucking party all night. Back then, we were able to do that. You know, it was before the the the, the extra percussion started happening in hotel rooms and shit like that. But yeah, we would we would come down like 15, 20, 25 people deep, and we would always go to this fucking jam. His jam was fucking chilling cypherism, and it was at Lola Lounge. And this was probably early two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four. In Montreal, so we would go to his fucking nights, and so I was there almost every fucking, at least once a month or twice a month. I would come down to Montreal because at that time there was nothing more for me in Gatineau or whatever. Everybody was settling down with their girls, so I would I would have one one of my best friends was living in Montreal, so I would come and visit him almost every weekend, and that's how I fell in love with the city also, and that's what made my moving to Montreal, a better transition because I was always here every weekend. I started to already know like the nightlife a little bit, what clubs were hot and all that shit. But anyway, so we started going to see that guy. So Godfather D was like, he, he was a fucking like, he would play exactly the fucking hip hop that I would, I would love. And I would go fucking crazy on the nights. So anyway, so eventually me and him developed this relationship. And then when I told him, I'm like, yo, um, you know, I'm I'm starting to 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 do this DJ thing. He's like, yo, whenever you're ready, you come see me. I'm gonna put you on. I'm gonna let you this chat. Like, sure, no problem. Cool. So whenever I felt ready, back then this was um, so yeah, early 2007, 2008, or no, maybe 2009. Sorry, um, 2009. Yeah. So he had this club that he was doing. It was called Ancachette. Um, and he would be there every fucking Friday. And then he invited me to DJ with him on a Friday night. Fucking night went bananas. It was fucking crazy. All because obviously, you know, I know exactly what he plays. And I was able to compliment him when I started playing. And I was able to do my own shit. And everybody was like, yo, super dope. So then he would he would ask me to, like, come and join him from time to time, here and there, here and there, whatever. And then eventually he asked me to replace him because he couldn't do a night at that spot. And that's pretty much when everybody started putting eyes on me at that club, the owners and everything, because I was able to hold down the whole night and fucking kill it as per usual. And they were like, yo, this guy is dope. So then, you know, I was there all the time. There was, Ankashet became my, my spot. I was there regardless if I was playing or not, I was still there no matter what. And then eventually when, when a Saturday night, uh, the Saturday night DJ had to do something else, there was a vacancy. So right away, they came to see me. He's like, yo, do you want to do it? I'm like, fuck, hell yeah. And that that became my my Montreal residency where I fucking became whoever I became in the city at that point. Wow. So again, shouts to fucking DJ Godfather D. He's pretty much the one who gave me that, you know, that opportunity to become that DJ for that spot for Montreal at that point. So basically... So you had residencies, then you would do otherwise private gigs as they come up or other things. So one-offs, maybe rappers need you. Um, exactly. You and mind you, I wasn't fucking with the track then, then yet. Um, 
the track, how me and the track uh, came about. Well, so me and the track know each other from like from from early 2000s, uh, but we relinked up around 2010, 2011. I did. He asked me to DJ for one of his uh, his. He had a book release party. Okay. He was releasing a book with pictures of uh, Detroit, the city of Detroit. He had went to Detroit, so he kind of documented his uh, his trip over there, and he released he released a book. And he asked me to DJ that night, and then like after at the end of the night, he was like, "Yo, that was super dope." Like he's like, "Yo, I'm doing a show in a couple of days. Do you, do you want to be my DJ, man?" I'm like, "Yo, fuck, for sure, fam. Let's go." You know, like because I always been a fan of the track before, and even before in the early at the early stages of his career, I was his back vocalist. When I was like, when I was leaving rap and I was like starting other things, I, that's when I met the track and I left rap while I was his back vocalist or like his hype man, pretty much. That's how I got like out of rap. I stopped did rapping. You ever, and I, did I you ever vocal. get to go on tour as a DJ? Yes, with the track. Okay, because I don't know. I don't really know who that is, but I know who it is because you said his name. Okay, so the track is a is a French. It's a French uh, rap artist from from Gatineau. He uh, he's been rapping for a minute, and he lived also in Montreal for for, for quite a minute too. And um, yeah, he's pretty much known for being a, a, a you know a crazy writer. His bars are fucking, you know super up there and recently he just uh, released a new project with nicholas craven okay craven so yeah so they just released a whole album produced by nicholas craven and in there there's a track featuring akhenaton from i am the the group that sounds called so no, yeah dude, so when you say tout mon so here's the thing, man. Like the last year and a half of my life has been really heavily focused on Anglo hip hop in Montreal. Not on like uh I don't care about the French side, but like there's not a lot of people that focus on the English side and some people gotta be now as time goes but even on. Then, so growing up growing up Bro, I you, barely you spoke fucking French, dude. I fucking hated French okay. on some language go. politics so shit. But then I got right. older and I learned to speak fucking French. And then I don't really get bars in French like the way y'all do. So it's like, yo, I just listening to dudes rapping French and I'm listening to it. It's not like I listen to it again and it clicks any different. It's like I get it at the superficial levels and I get how things rhyme. But I do not understand yeah, French hip hop in the way that I understand English hip hop. I'm 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 very I'm very picky when it comes to like French rap. Right, mob. So like like I, oh, I had a day job. My dudes, yo, that's fucking dialect and fucking chat. But like on the other end, like I fuck so like had a you know I worked with Justice McFly in corporate lines. Like he was my day job colleague for like a good chunk of time back when he did that video with fucking Eight Mob for a minute on that album they dropped. Uh, Travis Bryant's a dude I fucking know pretty regular right now. Back Travis, he was on the track, so I did. Uh, I did dialects, chat games, uh, mixtape. I mixed it his mixtape uh, last year or two years ago. No, last year it was during the pandemic. Mm. And uh, Travis is on one of the, yeah. the joints. I listen to that shit because hey. Travis is on one of the joints, and I'm like trying to peep that shit. But uh, I also interviewed Carly on Brown. So I got a sense yeah. of his story and some shit. He was really interesting to talk to. 
Yeah, um, those are my dudes, man. Like, yo, Carleone and, and Chad, man, go way back, man. Way yeah, back. man. And, like, for me, it's like, again, I'm just getting introduced to it all now, but the other side of it is, like, there's a lot happening on the French side, and it's like, I should care more, but it's so hard sometimes to, like, like, it takes real effort to consume French media like that. Like, it's no, not... No, especially, and, and you... you, and you t- you know you just said it everything when you said that you you, you don't speak much french no no, no. i am like but like currently like i speak french right but like growing up i mean yeah growing like, up it was more like because uh, the auto may not notice but if you have parents that were like mad english and didn't speak french in 95 you felt like it was a different vibe growing up at that point than it would have been so like so like there is no fucking French music in my life. Like I mean back then man, like it was like like it was a couple other joints you were here, but like everyone just kinda made fun of French music, like all the time. I don't even know if it was deserved or not. All things considered now, we were kinda really mean to an entire scene of music on some language politics shit. But then like you get older and like you realize French is pretty fucking asset, like yo Gosh, man, I've gotten Wait, laid off of speaking French, bro. That, <laughs> so my, like, my boy, yeah. my boy, Zach has been, you know, in the, in in the game for a minute. Right, right, my bad. And in 2018, we were blessed enough to represent Canada in China as the French language, and we did a tour for three weeks in China. So we did we did 21. No, we did. Hold on, we did. 11 shows in 10 different cities in 21 days in China in 2018. Wow, that was probably the last time it was safe to go there. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I'm probably one of the last people that would ever set foot in China compared to a lot of people. Oh, especially yeah. in that context. Yo, what was March, it like, bro? March, March 2018. So, yo, bro, it was crazy, man. We, like... Like, and it sucks talking about it because I know that I would probably never relive something like that again in my life. But I mean, it was beyond amazing. Like, bro, like we were, we were getting like, you know, the, 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 the red carpet treatment, like each city we had like fucking diplomats from the, the, the Canadian embassies coming to pick us up and make sure that we were all good. And like, you know, everything from a to z like we were bro we were like considered diplomats because we were there to represent canada for the french language that is some of the wildest shit i heard and a definite asset to learn how to speak why people should speak french so i love to french today i just want to make that clear but that's wild um i'm gonna bump it like i've actually made more of an effort in the last like while to like play french songs here and there that's how i know i don't get the bars because like but the flows the way it sounds just to put like you in perspective just to put you in perspective the 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 um, the collab he made on this album with nicholas craven and akhenaton from i am akhenaton is pretty much like the equivalent of jay-z in french rap like since the beginnings okay that's just to put you in perspective who that guy is that he made a record with that's really fire i'm yo i'm really hey. happy with the quebec scene lately like all like the language shit aside like it's just amazing to see people in my city and in my place like pop and get the love that like the culture and the city has just deserved for so fucking long 
because I really see that starting to happen. Like people are starting to, you know, it's wild. People give a shit about France rap in New York City. Do you know oh, how? Sure. Do you know how good that is for Keb rap? I think that's what it's called. Rap Keb, Keb rap, one of those two. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Keb, so, yeah. I'm so fucking out of this shit. I'm trying, bro. I'm trying to catch up on the French shit, but like, then there's so many English people, bro, and it's like this maze of but again, names. Like but said, that's amazing. I was saying earlier too, I'm very picky when it comes to French rap. So I'm like, yeah, I talk about like if I listen to a lot of French rap, but I don't. I'm very, I'm very like picky. Like it's not everybody that I like. And yeah, even when it comes to like French rap from, from, from Europe or from France, I was growing up, I was very limited into what I liked and what I didn't. If you had a like heavy French accent that I couldn't understand, I wouldn't even bother. I was like, no, I can't, I can't listen. Like, I can do the cadence and flow thing. Um, like, I heard a lot of, like, Russian shit because I ended up working with some Ukrainians for the That's last really, years. He's a dude, man. Yeah. Um, I heard him, though. Like, he ended up working with this chick misunderstood recently. So I was like, I got to go show her love because I think he's involved in the history thing. Like, or he was involved in a contest with them or something. And I know a few of these dudes' names now because they're on the bus, like Connoisseur and somebody was like, they were on the bus. There you go, Connoisseur is a, you know, Connoisseur is an OG. And then I'm like seeing the, the fucking names pop up more. I saw Enema got like fucking crazy numbers the other day. Like, so it's yeah. like, yo, like, I love the fact that it's being shoved down my throat the way it is organically on wins and successes. Like it's, and then you're watching a bunch of dudes holding a plaques and awards and it's like, Yo, that's like, that's here. <laughs> it's not other places. That's here. You know, and it's fire to me. I really, really like it a lot. But um, how did you adapt to COVID? Thank God for Twitch. <laughs> but like, was that yeah, simple like, for you? Yeah, well, well. so like I was telling you before the, before the interview, I, I, I was already doing live streams on, on, uh, on mm. Facebook and Ustream. Before, before the pandemic, before everything, like two, three years before that, like even practice sessions as I was coming up as a DJ before I was getting my 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 plug gigs and stuff, I would do live streams. That's what I would practice, you know, for, for an audience that I didn't know, I didn't care, I didn't promote it. I would just go live on on Ustream back then and I would do that shit. So, so when the pandemic hit, I already had a webcam. I already knew how to connect my, my 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 sound from my mixer to the computer to be able to 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 have direct sound. So when the pandemic hit, it was a smooth transition. It's just eventually, I like I wanted to have a better a better stream. So then I start I, I got a better computer to be able to stream. Then I was able to get a better better camera and all that shit. So yeah, you know I'm I'm always been a a person that that knows how to adapt myself in different situations. So adapting to, to, to the live streaming was really not that super hard. Like I had to like get used to like being able to speak on the mic at the same time and all that shit, like a little couple adjustments. But aside from that, it was a smooth transition. Now I hear that it was like, I should have done it a lot sooner than I did it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, honestly, I did, I did it at the very beginning, at the very beginning. And then I left it because I was like, oh, fuck this shit. I, I was like unmotivated for a minute. But then when the second pandemic hit, 
in October on October first, twenty 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 eight. No, twenty yeah, twenty twenty. The second big wave, and then when the the second lockdown happened and everything, that's what I said. Yeah. Okay. That was fucking it for me too. Shows steady, and I'm gonna be steady streaming, and then I made a schedule, and then I made it. I made it official. You know. I feel that I, I that was when it was like oh say where ain't nobody coming to my crib for who knows how long we're quarantined so we're going to do this live turned out nobody wanted to come to my crib and my show popped off because nobody had to leave their fucking houses and then yo people like right now be like die hard like I want to come in person I'm like you really don't you think you want to be here but you really uh, want to be home and not you're, the same bro like half these interviews I'm in PJs bro. When I started inviting people to like my streams, like to come come to the crib while I'm streaming, I was like, no, I didn't like it, man. I, I didn't like the fact that somebody was behind and I was paying attention to these people here. And I was like, yo, no, I don't like this. So I started, I stopped doing that. You know? That's it too. It's like the per like I don't have a whole production team. Shout out Bonnie. But like I don't have a whole production team up in the room. I don't have like the third guy that's always on the podcast you can't see that's switching cameras and googling shit for people you know that's a whole other level of show production and whatnot but like so like yeah no it's actually a lot easier for me to do a better job if there's not you in the room with me but also like if you're here it puts more time constraints like this shit can run till 10 18 on a work night because frankly when we're done we're done and everybody already home <laughs> and like yeah. um i mean fair enough specters i'm not really sure why you said that but um we're just kind of like i'm just describing well, he's, he's name dropping fucking people i grew up with man I'm Big like, shots to Dave, Juan, Nick, and Piero, man. Piero, Russ. I'm not sure. So this guy that. definitely knows me. If he's just name drop all these people, this guy is definitely from Elmer. Yo, who? Inspectors, <laughs> man. Who are you? <laughs> A ghost. <laughs> A ghost from Elmer. I mean, I saw the name Specters, and I'm like, I don't know if it's like because it's a real. I thought it was a fan from you, man. I was like, yo, I don't know Inspectors, man. Ah, no uh, dude, followed on the stream. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Um, Shouts to you, Spectres, though. Shout out, Spectres. A ghost. That's oh. it. Um, so I took it as somebody that knew you that was mad anonymous that like didn't Apparently, want to be identified. Did. And I rolled with it because, I mean, I figure you, you, you Spectres, for real, though. I appreciate you for real, but. He is for real. Yo, he's been dropping fucking mad names. I and just mad don't fucking know about reading off a bunch of random names i never heard of because then i'm like <laughs> i know that easy ld is watching the chat right so like i know i'm like yo if he want to talk about that he'll respond to it you know like sometimes it's kind of like he that literally, you know? he, he literally <laughs> drops people that i grew up with uh in high school and like you know that you know what i was dude, telling this you, shit like, is ah, the most nardwar <laughs> shit ever i love it dude you're so off guard right. Yeah, that's that's Nardwar shit. I'd be like, yo, who the fuck are you? Like, you work for the feds? How do you know I know these people? Like, if if you know that I know these people, it's because you probably like he's probably close. I probably hung around with this guy. So he definitely like if you drop there's those no names, no problem, Spectres. I love this shit. That's why I keep saying it with a smile on my face. Oh, there's no problem amazing. at all, homeboy. <laughs> I'm just intrigued to know who you are. I mean, 
I, it's just sometimes weird when people know who you are and you know <laughs> you don't nah you definitely made this fucking interview better specters there is zero doubt in my mind i'm giving you flowers <laughs> multiple rough. times for that because it's truth man <laughs> i feel it in my soul like i loved it every second of your contributions every time you caught this guy off guard i enjoyed it a lot Thank <music> you.